what's happening here on a Tuesday? Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're all loaded up. Hello, Iceman Chatter. That might lead into uh, maybe some other sports conversation. Just got down from the stadium doing a really cool piece for next week on the TV side. I'll tell you about it, but you have to stay tuned with Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boy. That was really fun. We had a preseason game coming up. We have Charlie Ward scheduled to join us with Florida State on the horizon on Saturday. And Jason Fitz from ESPN and his interesting background and I think interesting timing. Given yeah. the Andrew Luck situation, will join us today. So all that on the way. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos is here. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Nice shorts. Thank you. You got the tiger shorts. Tiger has Rocking surgery. The tiger. Good I saw out. that. Yeah, this, these are. I was kind of wearing these shorts, and you know, just kind of send them some good vibes and everything like that. So. Am I technically better I really athlete than Tiger Woods? Because I haven't had knee surgeries or anything. Because one would say you haven't done a, a lot of athletic things lately. I don't to, know. I mean, I feel like I have, though. To I warrant mean, that surgery. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I might be getting close to benching more than Tiger. When are we going to start doing those 40-yard dashes in the parking lot like we talked about? You know, and I mess, I'm, the, I'm in good you shape and, uh, right now, man. You and Gene Fernet. I got Gene Fernet's time, too. If you just, put me, if you just put me in 40-yard hey. dash territory with Fernet, then Five you're sorely mistaken. Foot. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to overlook one of your competitors, okay? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> well, you got a new tattoo inspired by Mr. Uh, a Swagoo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got it last Saturday. Um, yeah. Like, like, started like three days little, ago last Saturday. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, th- th- this past Saturday. I uh, started to get my little, you know, little sleeve of my leg going on. Uh I was not inspired by Alex Magoo. This was kind Come of on, this was in talks it. for a long time. Come on. I haven't had a conversation with you, so this was in talks for a long time. But yeah, it started on the on the shin, and uh, needless to say, probably the least painful spot I've gotten tattooed so far on the shin. Yeah, because really? well, because well, because you nerves dead, of my, yeah, because yeah, all the nerves in my shin are pretty much dead. So what's like every, that called again? When you kick, you no, you oh condition, shin yeah, conditioning. Yeah, oh shin conditioning, yeah, yeah, shin conditioning. So when she was going over like you know my shin and everything, like I couldn't feel like literally anything, and then all of a sudden she hit that spot like I could feel it, and like my leg would twitch, and then it was back to feeling nothing again. So on the on the pain scale of one to ten for like a leg tattoo, I'm gonna go with a uh, a one. Wow, yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty, pretty refreshing. And MMA is good for something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just <laughs> killing the, the crap out of my shins. Hey, yes, uh, I got a question for you. I have an and answer. This is not intended to be sexist. Mm-hmm. Here we go. It really isn't. So Here don't take it this way. Well, if you have to lead in like that, you're probably on the verge. Yeah. But, you know, if you go to get a massage, yep. say, hey, do you care if it's a male or female massage? Yeah. A masseuse. Sure. I. Uh, whatever, it doesn't bother me. He really, I don't care. Um, yeah, I'm probably I've, more I've side with the female for whatever reason. I would too. Um, uh, even though I like the deep tissue. Yeah. Massage. Yep. So whatever, it is what it is. But so from a Brent's tattoo, trying to say men are stronger than women when it comes to massages. Well, you'd think. Well, it's yeah, stereotyping. <laughs> uh, I know I lifted more than my wife at the gym yesterday. So <laughs> well, she's still a hall of famer though. She Brent. is. Yeah. Uh, easy, on the verge. Talk yet. about her. Okay. Not yet. She Stuff still could be there. eliminated. Stuff to get that speech first. She, she better not get arrested or Stuff anything to like get that. that. Speech. Okay. The uh, but how about from a tattoo artist standpoint? Yeah. Do you have a preference? Female to male. This was actually the first time that a female has tattooed me, and the reason why I went to her is because she has great line work. So for my sleeve I'm getting on my leg, it requires a lot of like just 
lines nonstop. You know, usually there's like my other tattoos, you know, there's some flow and everything. This is more, I guess you'd call it intricate where you got to be super careful of the lines. So, uh, I kind of recruited her and she was more than happy to do it. Um, overall, I mean, it was, it was a great experience regardless. Um, I've never really had a bad, I guess my first tattoo was kind of a, a bad experience because I was, 16 years old in some guy's kitchen so that you know you can probably imagine not how the that ideal went. way to write it up yeah you can you can imagine how that well brent the when, when when the legal age is 18 in wisconsin there's you have to find ways around that so some guys what's kitchen. the legal age here couldn't tell you i have no idea is there a law um i think it's 18 unless you have your parents permission but don't quote me on that well because sure. i do see and i'm not trying to rat anybody out yeah. here i just do i see a lot of high school kids sure with tattoos yeah i see a lot of the football players so the then athletes. maybe it's 16 and then with your parents or maybe permission? there isn't one yeah, according there is to one. according to google it's 16 in oh, florida 16. in florida yep huh okay i never Pennsylvania even thought was 18 it. as well by the way yeah well, that's too bad. I tried to give Ty and Kaylee a tattoo at eight. Oh, can you, you go to prison? Can you imagine Ty like in the batter's box, rocking a <laughs> like a like an arm tattoo, man? That would be awesome. Scott started just rolling in for that. <laughs> I was seeing like you know like when you have the flame start here, just goes all the way up yeah, the arm. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, that would yeah. be cool. But um, I might have to work on that. Yeah, but no. Anyway, so the artist <laughs> I had her her name was Soleil, and she did a great job. I have another session with her in a couple weeks now. But yeah, she's she's badass. She's Awesome. Dude, we give free advertising to everybody. Where is she? Uh, she's at Black Hive Tattoo. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There you yeah. go. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> so when, when I walked in the shop, the owner, his name is Nick, um, said, dude, you're rocking our merch. And I forgot when I we were at the, the shrimp baseball game, I was wearing a Black Hive tattoo sleeveless shirt. Oh, okay. So he's like, we appreciate you, you know, putting on. I'm like, I'll be honest, dude. I wasn't thinking about that. I was just warm and I wanted a sleeveless shirt and that was the one that popped up. Is so. that different? What's the name of the uh, CrossFit? So that's also Black Ops. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're not coincided that's, with each other. No, it's completely different. Huh. Yeah. Very interesting. Interesting I have indeed. a business proposition for those guys. <laughs> Black Ops Sports Radio? <laughs> <laughs> just go get the same building and share yeah, it. There we go. <laughs> CrossFit and tattoos? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Why not, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember we Uche. something. Uche, Uche he, he, had, bar. Uh, he had tattoos and, and bars. Yeah. Does he still Club. have that place? I don't think so. No. Nope. I remember when he started that thing For up in sure. Atlanta. Atlanta, correct. Pretty wild. Hey, Very yeah, wild. we'll talk sports in a minute, people. We're <laughs> fine, all right? We're trying to make a lot of money for people yes, here sir. instead. Yes, sir. Uh, a lot of free publicity. That's right. Hey, uh, Florida State comes to town uh, this week. Obviously, the Jags uh, play on Thursday night. Can you get us into uh, – We are. let's just be honest. We're not going to dissect this game on Thursday night very much. It's the least of the ones you do. Oh, I was going to do but okay. Well, you can, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and you'll be uh, on your own on Thursday, so you yeah. can do that. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do that because there are battles to be won, and we'll talk about the battles. But what I think it's an interesting deal because right now everybody outside the building, uh, fans, and I think probably I'm, I'm guilty of this too, media, I'm kind of on to Kansas City. Of course. From a, in, in my space, in my headspace, I'm on to Kansas City like, okay, I get two weeks to get ready for this thing. And mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette and who's healthy on the offensive line? Is this offense going to be good? All those things. Because that's the storyline for the next four months. But I think there's a uh, sincere focus in the building to not do that out of respect for – now, they do that to some degree. You even said it, the coaches yeah. and players. But I also think – at the same time, in that same breath, there's a sincere respect for the guys that are gone to battle with them for the last few months, this entire training camp, and some that they know are not going to make the team. You cut from 90 to 53. We know they're not going to make the team, but they might be able to put tape out there, resume out there, go sign with another team. And I talked to Leonard Fournette 
after the game on Thursday night. Remember what he said, and he was very cognizant of that uh, during our interview right after the game when I asked him about mm-hmm. Kansas City. And then talking to some players in the locker room, Chris Conley, the same way. He's like, hey, this is a big opportunity. And, you know, we put our cheerleading hat on in a way yeah. for, for these guys. So I, I, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that was – Leonard Fournette said it right after the game. I don't think that was like Doug Marone inspired. Yeah. Now everybody else might have been Doug Marone might have been this week to the team. Hey, yeah, we got to focus on a game, but I want you to make sure you have a lot of respect for the rest of the people in this locker room. You have one more chance to to yeah. fight and show on tape and all that stuff. Eye in the sky. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of a cool thing, but it's a weird dynamic because again, everybody else is kind of on to Kansas City. Yeah. You've lived that dynamic though. Uh, you know, you live that toward both sides. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, knowing both sides of it. Mm-hmm. What is it like in there, and and how true is it? Is there some genuine? Um, respect and interest from the starters toward the backups and back end of this roster yeah. going into Thursday night. So let's start from the perspective when I was a starter on the Jaguars. You know, so that would have been going into 2011, 2012, where I knew I was going to be the starter, so it was all good. wasn't going to play in the fourth preseason game. I think I might have did my 2012, but whatever. But um, you know, I, I was going to make the team basically. So you knew it. I, I, yeah. I knew it. Yeah. So. You know, it's so weird because when you're in this train, when you're in the training camp setting, Brent, you know, and whatever, it's four or five weeks of just nonstop, and you know, you're there every single day at the stadium. You're there from six thirty in the morning till about eight or nine o'clock at night, and you're around those same guys every single day, and you're around those guys more than you are with your family. Now, every once in a while, maybe you get a day off, you could go to hang out with your family and stuff like that. But I'm talking about for the most part of training camp, you're with your teammates more than you're with your family. So obviously you start to share this bond, you know, and training camp sucks. I I don't care if it's from 20 years ago, 10 years ago, or or this year. Training camp always sucks. It's it's not a fun experience, you know. You're out in the heat. You're sweating. You're sore. It's mundane. It's over and over again. But what helps you get through that process is you know you're not by yourself. You, You know, you're with 89 other guys who are going through the same thing with you. And when you share that in common, you start to share that bond a little bit. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's like if it's defensive line with offensive linemen. I mean, everybody in that locker room, they have some kind of respect for each other because you're all doing the same thing. Now, yes, there's starters, there's backups, there's scout teams. There's guys that are probably not going to make the team. There's guys on uh, that are in the training room that you don't really get to see on the field. But you all share respect and moderation because you're going through the exact same training camp. So now when it starts to become cut time and you know, you know, the, the, the roster numbers is going to get dwindled a little bit. Um, it's almost like it's almost like a bittersweet moment from the perspective you're going to make the team because you know you're going to make the team. So it's all gravy. You're going to get the paychecks. Um, you know, you're, you're on a Kansas City week one. You're, you're getting excited for that. But at the same time, you know that dynamic that you had for the past five, six weeks of training camp isn't going to be there anymore. You know that maybe a guy that you sat across from isn't going to be there anymore or a guy like you, know, you shared some laughs with isn't going to be there anymore. And it's one thing just to kind of count down those days, burn the calendar, but you can't do that, right? Because you have to you have to approach every single day like, all right, I have to get better today. I can't think about I'm going to get cut. I'm going to get cut. So by the time the cuts actually happen, um, it almost happens unsuspectedly because like 
you plan for it, but you can't prepare yourself for it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very somber scene uh, from, from that perspective of being a vet that you know you're going to make the team, watching those guys who busted their ass and everything um, for whatever reasons. Maybe it's, it's a politics thing where maybe there's a draft pick who went higher that they're going to keep on even though maybe he's not the better player. Maybe uh, an, an injury occurred, or maybe the coaches just don't like the guy, or maybe he just got outplayed. Whatever the reason is, um, you you definitely feel for those guys. Yeah. And it's almost like you have to leave him behind, and you're going on to the season, you know. So there's a there's a there's a couple days of mourning, and then it's on to Kansas City. Unfortunately, it's just the way it works. And I want to ask you about the other side of it, yeah, and then the latter into your career, and and what's it like to be the guy that you're just not sure, or you might think you're going to get cut, or when do you know you're going to get cut? Mm-hmm. Uh, that side of it. But to your point, I think you see it on the sidelines when Picasso Nelson makes a pick mm-hmm. you know when uh uh number 30 why am I losing who made the pick in the first game uh defensive back it was like the only good play in the um, game um yeah uh, not Revis um nope Revis played Hayes. well in the first game uh, Hayes Tay Hayes when yeah. Tay Hayes thank you Ooh. uh that was yeah. tough the yeah. toughest thing I did all <laughs> that day took me a while man sorry uh, but when Tay Hayes made the play you could see the genuine joy from yeah. Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye and all those guys and we see it out in the practice field something we noticed is yeah. Ramsey and and Boye staying out with those guys a little longer teaching yeah. them some things something I think that goes a little bit unnoticed uh, from yeah. a guy like Ramsey especially who doesn't want to be this leader guy so or at least public and so you can see it. You can see the relationships well, get built and friendships get yeah. built, even though they might not be teammates in a couple of weeks. And when you say it like that, Brent, those guys are celebrating. It's almost like when you're on that field and you know you're probably not going to make the team. You're just having so much fun. We're not really worried about tomorrow, you know. And, and even if you're a veteran cheering those guys on, you're having so much fun watching them succeed, you know, because you went through the same practice that they went through, and now they're having their moment on the field. You're having so much fun cheering for them. That you don't think about like the, you know the, the next day of cuts coming. All right. Uh, well, when did you know that you weren't going to make the roster? The other side of it, Austin yeah. Lane has lived it, and that day is coming this week for a lot of Jacksonville Jaguars player. Sure, there's the safety players. There's a safety net of uh, the practice squad, uh, and that's a little bit of a safety net, but not for everybody. Uh, we'll talk about that side of things and what are the biggest battles for the Jags? They just spent a little bit of time on it. That that wide receiver spot, will they keep six? Uh, DJ Chark, it looks like he's on his way back, so that's good news for the Jags. But it could be bad news for a guy that's on the bubble. Uh, talk all about that and more. We have Charlie Ward on the way a little bit later on. Jason Fitz will join us in Gronk and CBD. Interesting topic. Uh, he says he's never felt better. Could he... Have a return to the NFL at some point down the road. We'll get into it all on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back here uh, to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martino, Austin Lane Coos here on a Tuesday. Hope you're doing well. Having a good day. Another hot one. And uh, looks like we got a little system in the tropics coming. You know what it, I'm trying to remember the name of the... Dorian. Dorian, that's right. You know what it's like in the newsroom? When something like this hits stressful. the radar, uh, not stressful for me. Well, yeah, no, but watching everybody else. Well, it is a little stressful for me because everything I have planned then gets thrown out of the way. <laughs> and so that is a little stressful. In fact, there was a time earlier today I might have been a little angry. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I've calmed down. I okay. feel okay now. Okay. What's don't, up? Don't get me angry. You, you want to talk about it, man? No, What's I'm up? Good. I'm good. I'm still waiting for Over the Over the hurricane or the, the tropical storm that's forming? 
Yeah, but just oh. the when the tropical storm comes, yeah, <clears throat> which will be like a rain shower. Uh, the uh, Ooh, shots fired at Dorian. Uh, <laughs> Where's when's the first Dorian meme gonna get posted? Oh, probably already has. Yeah, but the it just takes up a lot of resources, you know. Okay, uh, which is cool. Like storm coverage actually is in a way like, yeah. you don't want storm, you don't want a lot of damage, you don't want anybody getting hurt, any of that stuff. But I'm yeah. just saying from a TV perspective, it's kind of fun. Sure, like I think it's fun. Like I, it, there there's got to be a rush to it. Yeah. Now it also means you're working longer days and be, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you're maybe over the weekends. So it's not easy. Yeah, uh, it's I'm, not really it, my style. Yeah. It's not, uh, and this isn't for me. I'm saying it's not easy for people who normally have Saturday, Sunday off or yes. normally work eight hour shifts or whatever. Yeah. All of a sudden now you might be working a 20 hour shift in rain. You're soaking wet. You don't sure. know what's, co- you know, so, uh, it, there's a lot that goes into it. But, okay. uh, and around here we've had some big ones. Yeah. So I don't take them lightly. I'm just saying it really changes the dynamic downstairs. Gotcha. Things heighten. Yeah. Which is people fun. Are, people are on edge a little bit. And you know what it's like? Here's what I, I think it's like a <laughs> what little do you bit. Got? You tell me if this is true or not. Okay. And you especially can tell me now that I think the, uh, statute of limitations is over on this. Probably not. Uh, okay. But this is the story I heard. About me? No. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> but I heard it in 2012. That was malarkey. Yes. I heard, and so this is what I liken it to. I heard in preseason, right? Mm-hmm. In preseason, you're feeling good about yourself, right? Everybody yep. does. Everybody's like, okay, we got positive vibes, positive vibes, everything's good. But then the switch goes next week to the regular season, mm-hmm. and things get tight, like a vacuum bag, like we need to win. Now it's time to win. We're in the business of winning. Like, it's on. It's game time. Yeah. And whether maybe you have injuries, maybe you have concerns, maybe you're like, oh, crap, here we go. Uh-oh, this doesn't look good, you know, yeah. all those things. I kind of heard that year. Things went from being, yeah, all right, we feel good, to <sighs> tight, 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 uh-oh, not feel yeah. good. And then, well, the result was 2-14. and 14. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Okay. But I just think, does it happen in, in buildings in the NFL, where all of a sudden you turn from, okay, we're working towards something that's in the distance, and we feel good, and everybody feels good, and this is part of the process, too. Okay, now it's go time, and go yeah. time is all business, and you can almost sense the whole building is like that. Does that happen? Yeah, I mean, like, when you talk about, like, tighten up or whatever, man, like, well, we had Joe Connor as a coach, so, like, every single day was like that, even in training camp. But I think from the team perspective, yeah. Man, I'm trying to think back to that 2012 year. That's kind of how I felt about it. And it might be an unfair yeah. way to label it, but it's just like yeah. everything tenses up. Like, is there a big, is there tension? Like, next week, will there be a different feel, a different vibe, a different buzz? Oh, yeah. Will there be tension? Yeah, yeah. Well, kind of has, a, again, it's, your, yeah. your job's based on wins and losses. Yeah, well, there's, exactly. It's results-oriented, so, so there's got to be a little worry about that at times. So the way we, yeah, it, that's a good point then. So, like, the way we felt about it, and yeah, there was a lot of pressure because we're coming off a season prior uh, where it wasn't pretty, you know, that was when, uh, coach Dorio got fired and they brought in malarkey and it was funny. Like we used to always tell ourselves in the locker room. And I remember these, you know, these team only meetings, these player only meetings. The thought was, is that if we don't win, we're all going to be gone. And if we do win, then we'll all have jobs. And th- that was the way we approached it. It was like, where if we don't win games, then everybody in here, uh, you know, uh, excluding maybe five or six guys, We'll stay, but everybody else, we're going to be looking for new jobs. So there was definitely pressure to win. Um, but it wasn't like I felt like, I don't know. It, it, it's so long ago, Brent, so it's hard to remember exactly like what I was thinking during that season. But I think there was a lot of optimism 
you know, but um, I think once we started sliding a little bit and like it started just to snowball and snowball, kind of like what you saw last year a little bit, then it got to the point where it was just like, let's just get through the season. You know, like all of a sudden people stopped caring, like, well, we got to win these games to, you know, to save our jobs. Now it's just like, man, just get us through the season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what happens, I think, with a lot of teams. Well, you said it. I mean, and I've, I also heard something else about that year. Now, again, this was in hindsight, and so everybody's got opinions in hindsight, but the fact that there was a little bit of a, uh, you know, first of all, if you go back to what Shad Khan said that year, mm-hmm. he fired Gene Smith the next year and Malarkey because Gene Smith and Malarkey kind of sold him on the fact that they could win. He, they felt they could win. They were ready to win. Yeah. And then they go two and fourteen, and that's why they, I, I think if you go back to the press conference, I'm pretty sure Shad Khan basically said that. Like they, okay. they told us we could win, and we didn't win. So. We changed yeah, things up. But at the same time, they've also said it is built and it wasn't really built. No, well, I get fired the next year. No, it wasn't that. That, that was, was a different. That was, that was a year prior. Yeah, that was, year, that was, was after. It was a year after you get yeah. fired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and but, that was a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm just saying. I, mean, I think this was you know. more Gene Smith and Malarkey had sold to the owner, not in public. Oh, okay. I'm saying to the owner. Gotcha. And said, we feel like we can win. We've got the roster to win. Sure. Now, I also heard. There is a little bit of an X factor hanging over that stadium like a black cloud. And that was the year Tebow went to the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Right? He yeah. was coming to Jacksonville or the Jets. Yeah, yeah. And there wasn't this hard play for Tebow around here. There was a soft play for Tebow. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know again, there was a soft play. There was well, Tebow had a choice. I mean they no, were, they yeah, were Jets, sure. Jags were in play. I got but you. I heard that because that there was like this just cloud of we better win because we we can win without Tebow type of thing. Okay. <laughs> now, I don't know how true it is. Well, once again, I was on the defensive well, side of the ball. You wouldn't know that in the I, building. I, I wouldn't know, I'm yeah. just saying, they, there have been people that said that after the fact, coaches yeah. that were there after the fact or assistants that were that they kind of felt that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of felt like, well, that was the year the whole Tebow thing went down and T- again for so, the second time, really, you know, yeah. kind of that 2010 and 2012. So it's it pretty wild. My whole point of this is, it does change. The temperature changes. This is a win-win-win business, yeah. and you can feel it and sense it sometimes in a building. It's really my whole point. And you've been in the various buildings, and, and uh, I think, you know, Coach Malarkey. I think he was always like an old school type of coach, and I, and I respect that about him. You know, I think his coaching style fit more of what I was about as a player. You know, like I don't need a, a head coach to be like my best friend. You know, I just need a head coach to hold me accountable and, you know, to try to chew me out if I get out of line. And and that's kind of what Malarkey was. I, I respected him for that. I think when you deal with, with coaches who are former players, I think it, it also kind of adds maybe a little extra pressure to them yeah. of how to respond because you think about it, they've been in those locker rooms possibly where they haven't won games. So they can kind of relate a little more, I think, to players, like, you know, as opposed to maybe like a Bill Belichick or something like that, where yeah. I think he takes all emotion out of it. You know, it's like, we're not good right now. We need to win, yada, yada, yada. But I think once you start having that player perspective of being a former player, now a uh, head coach or whatever, uh, you know, a, a coaching member on that staff, I think you can bring a little more emotion to it which can be beneficial, or it can kind of hurt you a little bit, depending how you look at it. All right. Uh, what I wanted to get into, and I don't want to let this go by, yeah. is you've been on the other side uh, this week where the bubble busts and and uh, you don't know if you're going to have a job. Uh, mm-hmm. 
take us through an experience, whether it was Chicago or Kansas City, uh, whatever it was like being a guy that was on the bubble this week, knowing you got one more chance to make an impression, even though they might already have their minds made up. So in Chicago, because that's like the that's the closest one, you know, it's the nearest one. So with Chicago, um, we're going into preseason game number four against the Cleveland Browns, and it was between me and two other defensive ends that were going to make the team. So two of those guys, including myself, would make the team. One guy's going to be probably, you know, the, the odd man out. And I remember going into that game, it was only three defensive ends that suited up. So literally, we played, you know, we played the entire game with three defensive ends rotating in and out, in and out. So I was dog tired. But that whole preparation week, it, it was, um, it was kind of weird. And this happens with every team, I feel like I've talked about a little bit, where we didn't study for the Cleveland Browns. All right. Like the coaching staff was on to, you know, week one, which I forgot who the opponent even was at the time. So like we had to take it upon ourselves to kind of watch film by ourselves. So yeah. it'd be like the guys that were on the roster bubble would be like in this team meeting by like the, we had to bring up and we had to go through like, all right, well, here's Johnny Menzel. Here's your likes to step up. And like we're kind of running this whole meeting. That kind of sucks. Well, and, and, yeah. And like, you know, every week you get a scouting report. Obviously, for preseason game number four, you get your scouting reports, and the scouting reports basically say... Here's your roster of the other team. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because usually like, the scouting reports are super detailed, like, you know, th- th- this right tackle, he, uh, he he bites on, you know, like, moves and stuff like so run like a text like a like a like an exit game or text game against them you know you can use games and stuff like that to get to the tackle uh this this tackle oversets too much work inside moves nothing to go off of there nothing to go off of there so what we had what we had at our disposal was a couple assistant coaches that would come to like a meeting with us kind of tell you what they saw and then we're kind of you know we're on our own from there so we're almost like it was weird like we were still part of the team but you don't really feel part of the team because when we're doing that, the other guys are prepping for week one. You know, like they're in a different meeting, watching different film, um, getting different scouting reports, prepping for week one. So it's just it's a weird dynamic, and I'm not sure if every team does that. That's what we did when I played for the Chicago Bears that year. But uh, you know, it's funny. Like I said, like you, I had so much fun that last preseason game. I talked about me and Evan Britton were captains yeah, and everything yeah, yeah, like that's that. Right, that's right. And that was a really cool experience uh, playing in Cleveland. You know, with Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football. So there's a lot of hype around him. The crowd was actually pretty good for uh, preseason game number four. I got a lot of playing time. So at the time when I'm on the field, you know, I'm not thinking about I, I need to make this play. I need to make the team. No, because I, I was having so much fun. I wasn't worried about tomorrow. And then you know, when tomorrow comes, um, you don't get a lot of sleep. Obviously, that next morning and everything and uh you just try to go about your day the best as possible and then you wait for a phone call if you get it you get it and if you don't good you made the team and unfortunately i got that phone call yeah so. yeah well and you told us and uh, if you don't mind yeah. i want you to bring up that story again later in the week okay later in the week because there'll be a bridge day between the last preseason game and cuts and yeah. i think it's a good story worth telling you told that at the outset of the uh of <laughs> yeah. when, really early on i think it was yeah, back it was in earlier in maybe january february when we were doing it well now we got millions of people of course that yeah. have heard about our stations go so, ahead and uh, uh you got to share it again that one okay <laughs> uh but that will come up a little bit later in the week cool tough time though it is but you know what you just said also speaks to do we really need a fourth preseason game from a logistic point of view because yeah, yeah that's you know, I, the way i look at it is like that stinks man i mean you're not yeah. even getting attention but what you just said is it was still fun you get to yeah, put yeah. more stuff on tape yep. go try to make plays there's value in it there i know is. the fans think there's no value in that game there's value in it in fact yep. it's Covering the Jags over the last dozen years has been one of my fun weeks because I think you get to tell some pretty cool stories sometimes yeah. coming out of that game. Yeah. Uh, so 
I think there is something to it, even though it's about to well, go away in the next CBA. And exactly. Most and I guarantee, I mean, listen, I'm sure a lot of people may not watch preseason game number four against Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to watch it because I want to see the memories. I want to see the smiles because there's going to be some players in that field, Brent, that those players may not make the team, but they can tell their grandkids for the rest of their lives. And that's what matters to me. Why the QB position is so different next on ESPN 690. And welcome back here. In a couple minutes, we're going to have Charlie Ward, former Florida State great. You remember Charlie in the um, – how do you remember Charlie Ward? If I say the name Charlie Ward, do you remember him at all for the, the uh, so, Knicks? From the who? The Knicks? No. You don't? I know. I remember him from Florida State. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Who's? You're too young. Too young, yeah. Gosh, he's not that old. I mean, you're, you're young. Neither, yeah, neither are we. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I don't know how. I, I guess I haven't looked up how old Charlie Ward would be now. Early '90s. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. Let's see here. That's interesting. Like, well, so I think most people remember him as Florida State too. He's 48. Okay. Yeah. That's a little actually older than I thought he was. So that's like, great. Maybe when, that's why. When you hear the name Charlie Ward, do you go to the Knicks or do you go to Florida State right away? Well, here's what I. The reason I ask the question is, growing up where I grew up. Like, I, I wasn't obviously down here, so I wasn't like Florida State and Florida and Miami. Now, for, I always tell people this. When I grew up in New England, Florida State had a more recognizable brand, and Miami had a recognizable brand than even Florida. And now we're in this, even in the early 90s that. now, we're going to the, uh, you know, for the Gators with the Spurrier years. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I knew Florida State and Miami oh, yeah, from the outside. Man. You know, as as a very casual college football fan, but just a sports fan, yeah. way more than I knew the Gators well, from an outside perspective. I mean, when I was a kid, like I had all like the, the like the University of Miami gear, man. I had like the it was like a Bugs Bunny and Tasmanian Devil like Miami T-shirt. Yeah, man. Like Miami was killing the game back then. But you also have to remember Charlie Ward is around when Bo Jackson mm-hmm. and I mean not right in the same thing, but uh, along um, in those years you had Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, Charlie Ward as guys that were trying to do the two sport thing. Yeah, you know, and so that was very prevalent. So when you asked me that question, I actually think one of those two sport guys, one of those guys that was talented enough to do both, more so than I think. Uh, I probably wouldn't say Knicks. I'd probably say Florida State first if you had to pick one. Mm-hmm. But I think of him more as that dual athlete guy. That, yeah. That's why I think about when I get uh, Charlie Ward coming on in just a couple minutes. So we'll get to that. It's Florida State week here in Jacksonville as they host Boise State. Let's get a uh, real quick call from South Beach, Gary. I want to get into the quarterback position with the Andrew Luck stuff, how it's different than other folks uh, in other positions. That will come up uh, in a little bit as well. But first, South Beach, Gary, what you got? Let's make the, the devil went down to Georgia by the Charlie Daniels band, the song of the day. Ah, hey, guys, okay. quickly, you were talking television yesterday. Do any of either of you watch Blue Bloods? You know, I don't. I know it's a big show on CBS, but I don't watch it. I've never seen it. Uh, but I, well, I just now, uh, They have the best-looking Sunday dinners. The show features <laughs> them all having dinner on Sunday. And the food always looks so good. Don't you have to – and I don't, I'm not trying to age here, South Beach, Gary, but I think you have to be – if you're in, like, the 50-plus range – you're probably locked in on that show. Yeah. Right? That's okay. It's a good show. I don't know. No, 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 it's not a knock, Gary. It's not a knock. I'm just saying. I'm, I, not, I'm not saying Sesame Street. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not I'm watching NYPD Blue either, though. All right. I'm talking about a popular show here. Yeah. I just like Tom Selleck. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with the show or Tom Selleck. There's nothing wrong with the show or Tom Selleck. It's just a different age category, is my point. 
Yeah, but I just think it's a well-written, well-acted show. That's, that's and I think I mean. a lot of people would agree. Just going to be over 50. All right, go ahead. What you got? Uh, I'm just anxiously waiting who's going to be the quarterback, of course, down in South Florida. Still waiting the decision, but uh, just hoping it's really just to see what they've got, you know, for the year. But uh, uh, you did you mention, Brent, that Tiger had a, uh, a procedure on his back again? No, it was on his knee. Oh. Yeah, his okay. knee scoped out. So uh, still, that's not. I mean, I that's, still maintain that it was PEDs though that caused all this. They can say it was the hard training, Brent, and all this, and you know the whispers and all that. But you know Austin, the, the Bill Romanowski and uh, Lyle Zato, how how steroids just destroyed some guys. Yeah, and, I, uh, I still believe that that happened to Tiger Woods just simply because. You know how Barry Barry Bonds' head got three times larger than it was, you know, when he was younger. Tiger was so skinny and so scrawny when he first came out on tour. Because he was young. You may not remember Austin, but Brett, you might remember. You're an old guy. Uh, how skinny Tiger was. Absolutely. When he won the U.S. Amateur here at TPC Sawgrass, I mean, he was tiny. Uh, and so, yeah, I, listen, I don't know. I, I, I Do I think that's plausible? Yes. Do I do I think it's plausible that Michael Jordan retired from basketball because of the the gambling stuff? Yeah, I do. I don't. I think those are conspiracy theories to a degree, but I don't think they're far fetched. I think there's reason for them, and um, but I just don't know if we'll ever know that unless there's a tell all book or something that comes out, and I don't think I don't think we're going to see it. So uh, I do think it's probably a little bit different um, than maybe the baseball steroid era, and. Even from Tiger's perspective, I think you have to notice now, even Brooks Kepko has been injured a little bit. Rory McIlroy's a weightlifter. He's been injured a little bit. I think there's evidence that guys that you would not link to that kind of stuff, that they do like to lift weights, still can get injured. And it's just a sport that you need to be flexible and yeah. lengthen and strengthen rather than get bulky for the most part. I've always felt that way about baseball, too, and we're seeing a little bit of a change there. So I, I, I that's why I go back and forth on it. And uh you know, the PGA Tour and, and all that kind of stuff can be very quiet on that front. They don't have to release the details or people don't find out some of the details, I think, suspensions or, or whatever it might be that uh, other sports do. And I don't think we'll ever know unless we get a tell-all book. PED scandal, though, right? That was the gambling only, right? That wasn't. What's that? related to PEDs, right? What is? Michael Jordan, that was nothing related to PEDs, though. No, 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 no. Michael Jordan was, like, people have speculated that Jordan retired and got into the baseball stuff because of the gambling. You know, that that's the conspiracy theory out there. Yeah, uh, I always thought it was weird the way his father was murdered on the side of the street, and supposedly there was a gambler, someone involved in gambling. They did that. I don't know. That was... That was kind of all swept under the rug. But one, one, one question quickly. Hey, quick, Austin. quick, quick. We got Charlie Ward coming up. I got to get run. Austin, did, did you always room together as, as position players? Is that always done on every team still like it used to be? Just in training camp, right? Run, run together. Room like, together. Oh, room together. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but in it, training camp, yeah, only. it's only in training camp. Usually, if you're kind of vetted, you have like three or four years and then you get your own room. But I'm sure every team does it differently. All right, man. Thanks. Have a good day. South Beach Gary uh, on the way. Charlie Ward on the way. Coming up next uh, here on ESPN 690, former Florida State Great. It's 
Golick and Wingo. Timmy Kirkchen, our fine uh, Major League Baseball analyst. Aaron Boone, he talked about it, maybe a mercy rule at some point. It makes a little bit of sense now. But I'm worried where we are right now that there are so many blowouts. That's just not healthy for the game. So I know what Booney's talking about here. I don't think it'll get any traction, but I guarantee you somebody's going to ask that question within the Major League Baseball offices. Golick and Wingo, weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Get all the perks with the Planet Fitness Black Card for just $1 down. That means every time you thought, I don't have the motivation to work out, you could bring a friend or, I really need a massage, you could get one. And you could work out at any Planet Fitness worldwide. Ooh, a Planet Fitness. Just $1 down and $21.99 a month to get all the perks. Join in club or at planetfitness.com. Regularly $59 to join. Hurry, $1 down ends August 27th. Annual membership fee applies. Participating locations only. See club for details. If you're looking to propose or just looking to get her something to show her how much you love her, then you're in luck. Right now at Beards Jewelry, take advantage of five years, zero interest financing. Yes, five years, zero interest financing. You'll already get the rock bottom prices Beards is known for. But now you get to spread your payments out over 60 months. How about a $6,000 Takori or Viragio ring? You pay just $100 a month. Or a pair of diamond studs for $1,500. You pay just $25 a month. It's the best deal of the summer. Get her that piece of jewelry she's been dreaming about and spread your payments out over 60 months. But it's only happening at Beard's Jewelry during August. Beard's Jewelry, where exceptional is affordable. Located at the St. John's Town Center or visit BeardsDiamonds.com for more details. See the difference. Save thousands. Really thinking that he might go to the Clippers just because we weren't hearing anything about the Clippers and Real G's move in silence and Kawhi Leonard isn't. Put it on the poll, Guillermo. Uh, do Real G's move in silence? The Dan Levitard Show with Dugan. Weekdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and on your smart speaker. All right, we got Florida State and Boise State coming up on Saturday night in Jacksonville at TIAA Bank. Should be a lot of fun, right? Let's do it. I got you a credential if you want to go. Well, we're not going to do the show from there, though, right? No, it's Saturday. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking about the... The Thursday Jags. night game, yeah, the Jags game. The Saturday game. I wonder how that's good. I mean, it's not going to be solid, obviously. But no, a, a, in fact, but it, a pretty good turnout, or we kind of. Yeah, I think it's a little. It's it's a little light right now, from what I hear. Okay. Uh, so I'm interested to uh, to see if it picks up mm-hmm. because listen, bottom line is I get last year for Florida State, but there should be the first game of 2019. Sure. And. I think Boise State's kind of fun to watch. I know it's not Alabama, Clemson, one of those things, but I think Boise State's been kind of fun. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm interested to see uh, what happens uh, at the gate at TIAA and really interested to see what happens on the field, right? I mean, yeah. it, it should be pretty wild to watch what team shows up for Florida State. And this mm-hmm. is such a big game for them. And and you normally would be like, wow, I mean, it, this is a no-brainer, Florida State, Boise State. But the way things went last year, you just – you really just don't know um, what's going to be the case. Speaking so. of credentials, real quick, did you get Coos and I credentials for the, Fal- the Falcons game? Yeah, you have them for the year. Oh, okay. Because we only get. Okay, got you. You just got to get them from me. Okay. 
I we, deliver. Were, were you going to give them? Were you going to give us them, or what? maybe What's before Thursday? Okay. I do that okay. on Wednesday nights. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And he's he's questioning. I'll my my, my logistical skills here. Hey, just just asking simple questions, man. Just making sure we're all covered, Brent. All right. I mean, did you turn up your cell phone? Or are we going to put that thing rolling? I all day know. Again? I, yeah. Well, listen, yeah. I, it was my... Speaking of logistics, <laughs> how, how many days in a row are we going to go with that cell phone? Let's going turn on? the questions to Charlie Ward. Let's how about do it. that? Let's because do it. He, he has all the answers for us. Brent Martineau here in Jacksonville with former Jags player Austin Lane. Florida State has a big game Saturday. Charlie Ward will be signing autographs at Palm Beach Autographs at the uh, Avenue Mall uh, from 12 to 2. On Saturday afternoon for Knowles fans and any fans, uh, Charlie Ward, welcome to ESPN 690, man. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Great. Appreciate to, you guys having me on. Hey, great to catch up with you. Uh, I want to ask you your thoughts on this game on Saturday because I was in Tallahassee a week and a half ago. I think there's excitement about it, but there's also, from the fan base, I kind of gauge there's a little cautious optimism because nobody really knows what to expect after Florida State threw us all for a loop a year ago. Uh, well, one of the things that I've noticed uh, from Coach Tiger and all the things that he said and mentioned is, you know, last year was last year, and uh, they have a year, a full year, really, under their belt of uh, all the things that they wanted to do in the off season, and the guys are starting to buy in, and so, you know, as far as the talent, talent we have, we have talent there, but now I think there's more uh, buy-in to what, what it's going to take to be successful long-term, you know, with the family environment, and also, you know, guys... Uh, understanding the system. Uh, Coach Barnett last year, I uh, was here for, you know, half a spring, a uh, spring and, you know, a season, a part of a season, a summer. And the first game was, you know, really not indicative of what they're capable of doing from a talent standpoint, but there was other factors that went into the performance last year as well. But, you know, I'm looking forward to them uh, at least, you know, coming out and playing, playing well, and you know they've had a good preseason. From my understanding, I've been to a couple of practices, and hopefully, you know there is a difference uh, from the first game um, that we had last year to this year. Florida State, great Charlie Ward with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And what is it about Taggart uh, that's uh Kind of magnetic for young men. He does a great job recruiting. When I again, I was there last year before the season started. This year, they love the guy. I mean, forget about the wins and losses. The love for their head coach, I don't think, has changed. They really like him. What is it about it? You've been around a lot of coaches. You've been around college and NFL and uh, NBA. What is it about him that that makes him so attractive uh, for recruits and everyone else? Well, uh, the first thing is, I mean, he, he's he's real with the kids and uh, tell them, you know, kind of what they what they uh, you know the truth about playing time and about their situation and you know making them feel loved. Um, I think that's a big big part in recruiting in general. Um, and you know, but the, the other part is he surrounds himself with great coaches. Uh, coaches that do a great job recruiting, uh, but more importantly, you know, he's built the family atmosphere. Um, the way Coach Bowden uh, did it, you know, when when it comes down to the family, uh, being able to come to practice and also, you know, family taking the kids or the players 
out to their coaches' homes with stuff that we used to do, um, just so we connect, you know, off the field, which is very, very important to the success of, you know, success of, um, you know, of a team. Yeah, so I think it's just, uh, you know, that whole factor of just feeling included um, and feeling the love from the coaching staff. And I think a lot of coaches do that. But, you know, when it comes to Florida State, there's a certain type of vibe and atmosphere you want to uh, build around, which, you know, Coach Bowen started. Charlie Ward with us, former Florida State great, uh, always a Florida State great, uh, but from 1990 to 1994, and then, of course, played for the New York Knicks for quite some time before stopping in San Antonio and Houston of the NBA. You know, before you came on, Charlie, I was, we were talking a little bit about, you know, in your, at your time, Bo Jackson, who just visited Jacksonville a couple weeks ago, yourself, Deion Sanders, uh, not, not right next to each other, but all within uh, a few years of each other from a dual sports star, uh, perspective. That, that was all the talk back then. I educate these young guys. I mean, it was all the talk back in the early 90s about how good you were at football and, and basketball and which one would you choose. And uh, I bet some of these young guys, they have to now Google you, YouTube you, and try to figure that out. Not that you're old or anything, but they but they got to remember the great Charlie Ward sometimes. I mean, there's a lot of people that you know I come across and they – feel bad about not knowing who I am, well, you know, I don't know who they are, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, but, you know, Google is, is good, you know, for everyone. You know, even the kids <laughs> I coach, some of the kids I coach, you know, they Google, uh, Google me to see, you know, if if they heard or, you know, the parents may know me, but the kids really don't because they were, weren't even born uh, during my time. So, it's uh you know it's always something that I don't get too shaken up about because it's just it is what it is and if someone asks me I'll tell them but if not they won't know. <laughs> yeah, well, not too many people don't know. I can guarantee you that. I mean, the resume is unbelievable. Austin has a question for you here. Hey there, Charlie. This is Austin Lane. Um, so you obviously played basketball. You played football. You're also a pretty, uh, pretty big baseball player as well growing up. Um, if, if you kind of look at the kids now, you know, I think their parents try to push them into s- – specialization you know like they don't only play one sport um you have three kids yourself i'm not sure if they're into sports or not but when when you get your opinion about the matter i mean do you push your kids or the, the kids that you coach play all the sports or do you try to push them into just playing you know one sport in general um i do i, I work to i'm a multi-sport guy so i do as much as i can to help guys understand the value of playing uh, multiple sports and you know some some guys you know are capable of doing it from an athletic standpoint uh, they should do it because it's just uh, if you're a specialized guy uh, at some point in time you may get tired of it um, and so I try to encourage the kids if they're capable of playing multiple sports to, to play multiple sports uh, but you know, I coach basketball now, and I have kids that probably should be playing, you know, other sports, but they choose not to um, because for whatever reason, the parents don't want them, uh, mainly because of football, you know, the concussions and these types of things. 
uh, and so they don't they don't choose to play. But you know, if a kid is behind as far as development is concerned, you know, I also encourage those guys to you know just continue to work on and focus on one sport if they're you know behind. Uh, but one of the toughest things is is just kids understanding that not everyone's going to go to college to play, you know, sports. You know, that, that's 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 for a small group. Um, and so in high school, you should enjoy your experience. And if you're capable of playing multiple sports, then make it happen because this may be the only time you, you play after high school. And so I just like encouraging kids just to enjoy high school. Um, if you want to play, you know, multiple sports, then do it. Uh, if you want to focus on one sport, then do that. But don't have the expectation that if I focus on one sport, that it's going to give me an opportunity to go to college because um, that's, you know, fool's goal. Yeah, very well said and good message. Uh, we got to let you go, and I know you have to run, too. We appreciate you taking time. Let me ask you this one last question. Uh, if I line up 100 people that are meeting Charlie Ward and getting your autograph, do they remember you as Florida State quarterback or New York Nick basketball player? Uh, well, if I'm in Jacksonville, which I will be, uh, at the Palm Beach Autograph Show, I mean, store at Avenues Mall, then it'll be Florida State. If I was in New York, it'd be totally different. Uh, yeah. Cool. That's good perspective for everybody down here, too. You'll be at the Palm Beach Autograph Store, the Avenues Mall, noon to 2 on Saturday. And then hopefully we'll see you Saturday night, the football game, Florida State and Boise State. Great to catch up with you, Charlie Ward. Uh, we'll see you this weekend. All right, thank you guys for having me on. And they should retire his number with the New York Knicks, the way the Knicks have been. He went to the 1999 NBA Finals with the Knicks. Exactly. <laughs> and they haven't had that in a long, long time. It's been a long time for yeah. the Knicks. Yeah. And we'll be back to talk more about that. Florida State and back to the NFL coming up next. Brett Martin, a former Jags player, current MMA fighter. Austin Lane on the program. Coos is here as well, getting you set for the final preseason game. we got a college football game in Jacksonville, Florida State, Boise State. Good to have Charlie Ward on just moments ago. FSU will play Saturday night here in Jacksonville. And now we're 12 days away from the Chiefs and Jags to open the NFL regular season, which is uh, pretty cool. We've been waiting for it, talking about it, and around here. It takes a while to get to it, it sure seems like, but uh, here we are. And right now, we're glad to be joined by ESPN's Jason Fitz. Used to be able to hear him right after our show with Spain and Fitz. And now, on with Golik and Wingo and move to the morning. First of all, how's your sleep schedule, man? <laughs> oh, sleep is non-existent. You know, I always say I'll sleep when I'm dead, which, but I think that might be getting alarmingly closer given the schedule. But I'll take it all day. All day, every day. <laughs> what, what is it like? Uh, how did everything go? I know you're new at this. We'll get into your background in just a minute, which is a really cool story. And actually, I want to ask you about it in relation to Andrew Luck over the weekend and his news. But uh, what's this been like? You're kind of new to the sports broadcasting business over the last couple few years uh what was the show at night like and now what's it like in the morning on on espn i think that you know you have to realize that at each time you're doing different roles you know when you're sitting on uh, on spain and fitz we had the opportunity to sort of set up everything that was coming for the night so a lot of the conversation is what you're about to see and go with the window obviously we have the first chance to react in the morning to whatever's happening so then it becomes 
a lot about uh, what we saw and being able to, to quickly sort of react and figure out why it matters and what's important about it. So uh, very different, obvious, in, in what you're expected to do. But the one thing for me is I've always believed strongly that it, at its best sports talk, it can be a great escapism, a great entertainment, and especially in the mornings, it allows you to be sort of the big, vibrant personality I like to think that I am and, and try and make people a little happier on their way to work, even if their favorite team's not doing what they want. If we can make them smile along the way, then that's a win for me. That's pretty cool. Uh, Jason Fitz uh, from ESPN joining us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, Austin Lane here. And he'll join us weekly uh, throughout the football season, which is pretty cool, and so we can talk a lot of ball and everything else going on. Uh, but i got to give everybody your background, uh, and I'm sure many of them know, but if they don't, uh, your fiddle player uh, with the band Perry, which obviously is very popular uh, country band, uh, and I got to tell you, I love the fact that you're a fiddle player. My mom's a, a professional violinist, so I grew up hearing the the sounds of the violin every morning while she was like giving lessons to kids. That didn't sound so good. You got you probably played a lot better than those uh, little kids that were learning the violin. But uh, you you gave up the band Perry and the fiddle to talk a little sports. Give us a little insight on on how that all went down. Well, and, and let me say this, you know, sometimes when you play the violin, sometimes you play it, sometimes it plays you. So I'm not sure I always play better than the little kids. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I started, uh, I started playing the violin when I was four. And by the time I was uh, eight, I was practicing eight hours a day. By the time I was 10, I'd gotten into Carnegie Hall and, uh, or gotten into Juilliard and played Carnegie Hall. Like I was a little classical music kid, uh, turned fiddle player. And, uh, you know, I was, I was lucky to get to live out most of my dreams, but, uh, the craziest thing is that after all the years of grinding and, and trying to get great at what I was doing, I woke up one day in our busiest year with the band, and I realized we'd been on the road 300 days. And that I sat down with my wife at the end of the year, and I said, man, 300 days in one year, you know, I, I'm I'm lucky to do it. I'm thankful to do it. I appreciate it, but I don't love it anymore. And she said, if I asked 100 of your friends what you really love, what would the answer be? And I said, sports, flippantly. And she said, all right, we'll find a way to talk about sports. So that's honestly what I did. I took all my my violin recording software and microphones and I sat in my car because I felt like an idiot. I put a 10 minute <laughs> podcast up on Facebook for my friends. And, uh, it was like, it was like a drug for me. It was sort of, it was the worst I've been missing in my life. And, uh, so I ripped it apart, wrote a business plan, started to started networking and then just started trying to get better every single day. And, you know, I'm lucky actually uh, crazy enough. This is just ironic timing. Three years ago today was my last ever show with the band Perry, the Alaska state fair. And uh, to think that uh, in in three years then, I mean, I, I built a podcast and was able to jump to ESPN. But when I made that jump, they offered me a college football TV show that very few people watched on ESPNU. <laughs> and uh, the deal was they could uh, they could fire me after one show, or I could uh, I could work my way in and see how it goes. So I quit the band with no idea how I was going to pay the bills or what we were going to do. But uh, I knew that if ESPN gave me that shot, I was going to take it after you know years of grinding on a podcast trying to make it. So. To think that in three years I've gone from then to today, I think, oh, it's a window. I got the chance to host outside the line. So, you know, it's, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy, crazy ride. That's really awesome. Jason Fitz with us from ESPN. I'm a big country guy, too, by the way. So uh, I, I loved your work and loved your stuff uh, with the band Perry. Uh, but it, it's pretty wild. And I know in that Thanks. business plan uh, that it certainly had to be appearance on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent and Austin. I mean, so you can check that box off your list. Uh, that's done good. and done. There we go. Woo! <laughs> uh, you know, you brought up, you, you, you fell out of love with it. And am I okay to compare that with Andrew Luck and what happened Saturday night? And just to give you a little background, Austin Lane, my co-host, who will ask you a question in a, in a moment oh, or two once, so, I'm, man. once I'm done yeah. hogging the microphone. Uh, <laughs> 
he he played the in the NFL for five years, and we talked about this yesterday. Fell out of love with the game because of the business side of it and all these other things. Uh, now he's an MMA fighter, but uh, like for us average people, it's like how do you fall in love out of love with something? And I, I don't think we all capture that and grab that. But is there something relative to your story and, and maybe even Andrew Luck's story? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think that the hardest part when you're talking about a dream job is when you're talking about a job anybody wants, you lose the right to complain about it. And that just sort of is the way the world goes. But ultimately for me, I remember every single night before I would go on, on stage, I would text my wife and I'd say, time to make the donuts, which is an old Dunkin' Donuts commercial. <laughs> uh, you know. And then after the show, as I was walking on stage, I grabbed my phone, I take it out of airplane mode, and I text her, money earned. And it wasn't because I wasn't thankful for it again. It was just because at some point the passion left, and it became about execution and perfection, but it never became about a rush. And, you know, those are the things I think when you look at Andrew Luck, as much as we're all looking at it saying, but, dude, you're rich and you play football, who cares? Ultimately, like, the fact that, that you've made a ton of money to go out and do a job, a dream job, doesn't mean that you're not a human being. And if you've lost the passion, especially the NFL, where small differences make huge differences on the field, the level of love when you walk onto the practice field, the level of love when you walk into the practice facility, I believe that matters. The level of, of passion and, and sort of uh, investment that you have, I believe that matters to the player that you become. And we see it all the time when we question players' work ethic. We're just not used to seeing it from superstars. But just because you're a superstar doesn't mean you're a human being. And Andrew Luck would be lesser of a quarterback if he tried to continually fake the level of investment. I, th- I think it's an underthought about part of him walking away that I respect the hell out of. What's up, Jason? This is finally Austin Lane, man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great, Austin. <laughs> so, so I have to ask you, you know, I mean, you're, you're classically trained. You went to the Juilliard School, which is a, a huge accomplishment in itself. Um, what was it like being, you know, that, that classically trained guy and then almost going into a different genre with country music? I mean, was there some kind of falling out, like, in those circles that you grew up in playing the classical music and now going to country music? I mean, do those circles kind of Not- run together, or did people kind of look down on you a little bit for doing that? You know, the funny thing is, 20 years ago, they didn't run together. I moved to Nashville 20 years ago, and it's funny because there was a perception that you were either a violinist or you were a fiddle player, which is a little like, you know, hey, you're in the NFL and you're only allowed to play this one position. What's happened, though, in what I always call like an America's Got Talent age, is that people have sort of realized that versatility is key, and, you know, and I think that ultimately that, that lets people be more of themselves stylistically. So it's, it, it's funny how many, you know, fiddle players you'll see, or, you know, like I was, uh, like a, a great example is that a buddy of mine has been playing for years for Brantley Gilbert, who's this hard rock sort of country artist, you know, but my buddy got his master's in acoustic guitar performance classically and toured Spain playing flamenco music for years. So <laughs> it's just it's amazing how, you know, the, the music business is, is in the last few years, in the last, let's say, 10 years, has really opened up to, you know, talent talent wins. And so if you're, if you're able to get out there and do the job, then that's all that matters. So, you know, and I think that's part of why the, the other side of it is part of why my walk over to sports has been so well received is because ultimately athletes get that too. You know, success at the highest level in anything, whether it's creative or athletic, is about the sacrifice you put into it and what you did that everybody else wasn't willing to do and how much you were able to grind and then just being in the right place at the right time and get a little lucky. And, you know, I think that's why there's been so much mutual respect as I've come out of that into broadcasting and, and been able to work with so many athletes is that, 
you know, grind respects grind. So uh, I've been to Nashville a couple of times, and the one thing that I've garnered from visiting is that it is a very cutthroat city, especially people trying to make it in the business. It seemed like everybody I talked to said, yeah, I'm trying to make it in the business, trying to make it in the business. Well, you made it in the business, you know, and I think you're one of the the, the rare outliers that actually did get to play in a, in a pretty – Say successful country band. So, like, when you take that kind of attitude and go to sports radio, I mean, was it almost refreshing to know that, listen, I, I made it in country music. That's almost harder, I would probably say, than to make it in sports broadcasting and things like that. I mean, hey, wait a minute. Well, just, well, hey, I didn't have to go to college. I mean, I, I played yeah, football. Yeah, you did. That's because you've never done this before, and I just called you up and said, but, you want to do this? But, but I'm saying, you know, I mean, was that easy for me? I want to do this since I was 12. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but, I think for me, no, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I I get, you. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think there becomes sort of a well, – the one thing I learned about the music business is the music business is relationship-based. And, you know, a, a great example, one of my, my best friends is a guy named Derek Wells, and uh, Derek just won a bunch of Country Music and Academy of Country Music Awards as the Guitar Player of the Year because he's played on so many records. And if you listen to Country Music on the radio, Derek Wells is the guitar player on it, whether it's, you know, whether it's the new Dan and Shay song or – you know, whether it's a, any anything, he's on that recording. And the funny thing is I remember Derek uh, years ago when he would be going out to get coffee or a drink with people, and, you know, he was looking at his wallet saying, I, I don't have any room left on any credit cards. It, it's, a, it's a city, Nashville is a city where you put yourself out there and you get people to invest in you as a person. And once they've invested in you as a person, they will believe in your skill set as a musician. And it, it just, it takes time. And I think that that's actually what was eye-opening for me because that transfers to most business. I think, you know, when I, when I talk to people that are great, whether they're great at sales or whether they're great at software engineering or whether they're great at sports broadcasting, like in, in today's world, if you can get out there and get people to invest in you as a person, they're going to then invest in what you have to say. And then that's the, the biggest carryover crossover from the two is that I knew one thing and that's that I was going to be, be willing to work and work harder than anybody do anything that was asked to me, take the coaching, you know, these are all things that happen to classical musicians. You, you take the coaching you're given and you try and apply it, all of these things. And then can you get people to buy into you as a person? And that's where I had the, the confidence, I think, coming out of the music business because I knew that I was patient enough to let that happen. Fantastic. So before I give the reins back to Brent here, usually I, I like to talk about either style, wrestling, or food. Well, it's Nashville, so I'm talking about food real quick. Best hot chicken place in Nashville. Is it Hattie B's? Because I've been there. I have to know. Yeah. Uh, it is Hattie B's. Okay, uh, it is Hattie B's. But I'll give you, I'll give you a little secret. This is a little national secret. Okay. Hot chicken yeah. wasn't really that big a deal until suddenly everybody made it a big deal. There's a great cultural impact story about hot chicken and how it brought, you know, the, the sort of urban part of Nashville together with a, a lot of the country music legends, you know, way back in the day. Uh, and that's where some of the roots come from it. But realistically, like I learned, I was in, we were in France years ago, and such a humble brag, but we were in France, uh, <laughs> the, uh, we, we were playing shows over there, and I went to the Eiffel Tower. And I didn't know until I went to the Eiffel Tower that that was created uh, for the World's Fair. And at the end of the World's Fair, the city looked around and thought, man, this thing's an abomination, but they couldn't afford to tear it down. So instead, they built a, a marketing plan and they marketed it to the world as the icon of love and became the city of love. So, like, Paris marketed itself that way. Sure. Little secret, Nashville did the same thing with hot chicken. <laughs> like, 
there was a there was a nice little campaign. When Kentucky Fried Chicken woke up one day and hot chicken was like everywhere, my Nashville buddies and I were looking at each other saying, "Really? I didn't know that was going to be the thing that defined us." So, <laughs> a little bit of manufacturing. Yeah. Hey, Jacksonville's still looking for something like that. Let's make something up. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, by the way, Jason. First of all, sorry for yelling a minute ago. Uh, secondly, uh, thanks for indulging us as we introduce you to the. Uh, the, the Jacksonville fans and, and everybody here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We won't bombard you with questions about your past every week here on the show because we know you want to talk sports and, and we want to talk sports with you. So let me ask you this before we let you run. Miami, Florida the other night, the Gators got the win. What were your thoughts coming out of that one about the direction of those two teams? Well, I'll say one thing quickly, and that is that for everybody that complains that NFL doesn't want preseason football anymore, Let's acknowledge that college football doesn't have preseason, and we saw two teams that really could have used one. We knew the offenses were going to struggle on both sides of the ball. I don't think we knew sort of – we. I don't think we expected Felipe Franks to look that lost at times, and that's really one of the things that stood out to me because as good as Miami's defense is and as good as Miami's defense we knew was going to be, Felipe Franks has got to play better if Florida wants to take a leap. Right now Florida wants to put themselves in the conversation with Georgia, and it is just too early to do that. On paper, at least, Georgia – is much closer to being Alabama than they are close to being Florida. And Florida needs to figure out a way to clean that up. Miami's got the same issues they had last year. They've just got issues all over the offensive side of the ball. Manny Diaz gets the head coaching job there because he did a great job on the defense. That's fine. That's all well and good. But in a moment that was supposed to be this great calling card for both teams to show the world how great Florida football as a state is continuing to become and sort of an irrelevance for these two programs again, I don't know that they accomplished it with that matchup. Florida, particularly, got to get a lot cleaner if they think they're a top ten program. Absolutely, I don't think the gap is closed that much between them and Georgia. Uh, what do you have your eyes on this Saturday in college football? We'll save the NFL talk till next week when we join you. Well, yeah, and I love talking all of it. By the way, quick shameless plug: plug of new show Countdown to Game Day uh, starts this Saturday, and that's me, Maria Taylor, and uh, David Pollock. At the side of game day, it'll be on Twitter and uh, YouTube and on the ESPN app at 8.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern. So I love the college football stuff. Uh, and I will say this, this weekend is all about Oregon. Uh, no offense to, to Auburn, but look, if the Pac-12 wants to be taken seriously this year, they've got some big names at quarterback. But Justin Herbert was that guy that had he come out last year would have been in the eyes of many the top quarterback taken. And then he elected to stay instead for Oregon. He's got to prove why quickly. And I think, you know, this is the extra pressure that comes when you're a Pac-12 school because so many of the games are late at night and people aren't watching them, like it or not, because college football highlights don't seem to resonate with people on Sunday mornings. you got to prove it on Saturdays, and this is the opportunity for Oregon to stand up to the entire country send a message about how good the Pac-12 is or isn't going to be this year. So whatever stereotypes that we have of the Pac-12 can either be broken or personified going into this one game. That's why it means so much to Oregon out of the gate. Yeah, very well said. It could be a trip to New York City as a Heisman candidate for Herbert. It could be a lot of money in the NFL, even in this one game, at least to kind of set the table and the narrative for the 2019 season. Jason Fitz, that was a lot of fun, man. We'll catch you on Saturday mornings, 8.30 on that countdown with Maria Taylor and, uh, Taylor and David Pollock, and we'll catch you here every Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock on ESPN 690. Appreciate you guys. Have a great week. All right. Uh, Jason Fitz joined us from ESPN. And, of course, you can catch him uh, in the morning, Golik and Wingo as well. He used to follow us up. Now he gets us going on ESPN 690 on a daily basis. Uh, speaking of getting us going, what do we have coming up at 5 o'clock tonight on CBS 47 and Fox 30? We will find out in just a moment if he can hang around. We're going to take a break. And then John Bachman joins us for our TV timeout. we got all sorts of guests today. Ha, 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 ha.
talking about. Is your wife in the Hall of Fame? Not yet. Does she have any chance? Let's be honest. I mean, she might be in the Best Wives Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 so, so nice. nice. So, so nice. Am I up and yeah. deep. That's fine. Go and boo me. That's cool. Whatever. What did you do wrong today? <laughs> I know what. <laughs> I don't have any uh, stories about prostitutes it, today, I Austin. Never <laughs> yes. One of the finer moments on the program. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a button. <laughs> no, um, she, she played volleyball, but I don't think she's going to be in the, in the volleyball. <laughs> she's a volleyball player? Yeah, hey, dude, then let's we do gotta, this. Let's well, go, oh, let's no. go, let's go to the a, beach. We get a oh, four-man no, volleyball. See, you we, and we me and out. Steph? No, we, we had a falling out over that exact same sport, beach volleyball. So we're in Mexico for one of my friend's weddings, and we're all there playing volleyball and she was on my team we, we picked teams and everything well i'm gonna pick the d3 volleyball player because mm-hmm. from what i was told what she said she's pretty legit and i don't mean to call her out here and hopefully she's not listening i'm making a phone call but needless to say she made a few mistakes <laughs> and and <laughs> i and, and i may or may not have said it. I, was, I was a couple coronas deep i may or may not have said D3 volleyball, my something. Oh, and man. Uh, she was not impressed with me, to say the least. All right. Well, we'll have a, a three man volleyball team. Yeah, there then. we go. You're off it. <laughs> not her, you. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll start my own team. Me, Coos, and whoever else wants to get in the mix. <laughs> Johnny Bachman's with us from CBS 47 and Fox 30. We just learned your wife's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, volleyball, as a matter of fact. Say it all yeah, up, man. She, she was a D3 volleyball player. They played for uh, the NCAA championship, and uh, she was a she's quite an athlete. That's We all married Better volleyball ath- players? I, I guess so. I just broke out the jersey. This is her college jersey. I don't even know if people can see it. It's on the floor. I can't hang it up. But yep. We'll hold I, it up, I'll, at least. I'll hold it up. Oh, that's heavy, no. Was I, she uh, was so, she an attacker or I don't know what you no, call her. Sorry, you ever seen defense? her? Yeah, she was on defense. I would okay. guess. I would, I would guess. I would guess center. Yeah, center's on defense. Well, yeah, yeah, she could have been center, but yeah. from her height, she's uh, she's defense. Okay, specialist. Okay. The libero specialist. Oh, the libero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which I think I don't know if they've changed the libero rules since then. I don't. I don't know. I don't no look, everybody's looking at me. I don't know. But she yeah. is a defensive specialist. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, she's going into her high school hall of fame. Yeah. Still not, impressive. Oh yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it. Just say that's where she's going. Just that's the the uh, distinction okay. coming up on Thursday night. So figured we'd honor Steph. I, we just took it out of the wrapping. Yeah. I we found it up in the closet because she actually has to go back and find things like uh, I said the other day, artifacts or whatever, mm-hmm. of from the high school days. So she's going through all these boxes. That, but this thing I just unwrapped here in the studio hadn't been out since 2008 when we moved from Albany to here. <laughs> and, and it's amazing the stuff it you compile, isn't it? It really yeah. is. Uh, but anyway, so uh, that's that's going to be cool. So uh, that if I give Steph a lot of love here on the program, I don't yes. have to get her anything, right? Like, do you get somebody no, something that, for the Hall of Fame? That's not how that works. Well, I don't know. Do you? I don't know. What do you get? Well, uh, I, well I, I don't want to say. I have mine coming up, so this is what I want to happen. I want you to get her something. I can be like, well, Brent got his wife some for her Hall of Fame. Where's my yeah, stuff? That's for my true. Murray State But, like, stuff. seriously, what do you get somebody for the Hall of Fame? I mean, they're getting something. They're going they, they into are. the Hall I, of Fame. I, I, let me just tell you. Probably I like went Twitter, to the event. Check mark? Yeah. I went to the event. Well, I don't know that I got missing, got anything for her. I should have probably. I'm missing a Jags game, high school football, and something else. I feel like I'm sacrificing quite a bit. Yeah. I think she should probably be verified on Twitter. That's about it, though, right? 
I don't <laughs> I know if she wants to be. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're not missing much, though. All right. John Bachman's going to go right, to work. Guys. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, what do you got this, coming up to there's this little thing out in the Atlantic. You guys may have heard about it. Yes. Uh, tropical uh, storm. Tell us Dorian. about the newsroom right now. They all tense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I have to come down yeah. and see what's going on. Come on down. It's nothing right now. This, yeah, is, okay. this, is, this is nothing compared to where it's going to be in a few days. So, okay. Okay. So, you know, Mike Burrish, he's the chief of Jacksonville. He's the he, man. This is the guy. He lives and breathes this stuff. Best he weather is, guy I've ever worked with. Cool. Hands That's down. 20 years. Hands wow. down. Guy, guy knows his stuff. He really does. So he says that by tomorrow or Thursday, I think I said this yesterday, by tomorrow or Thursday, they're going to have a much better idea. But right now, the track has this, this storm hitting Florida in some, some shape or form, whether it's a tropical storm, tropical wave, or possibly a hurricane. And the question is, of course, where and exactly when. Sounds like Saturday could be the day, sometimes Saturday evening. And it, it could be um, central Florida. Could even, it could be this way. So we're preparing for the worst, hoping for the best. That's, that's what you have to do in, in the news business. It's just like everybody should be doing at home, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we've got, uh, we've got, that is the big story for the day. Mike's going to have a lot of, information five o'clock track comes out and keep an eye on that too i'll interrupt you for a second because saturday night well, is florida state boise I, I state. got some information on that because i figured since i was talking to sports guys you guys would want to know i did text the mayor about this i said hey are you guys talking about saturday's game he said right now it's business as usual they're planning on a 7 p.m kickoff on saturday but they're going to continue to meet he's already meeting with his emergency folks and uh, he said that they won't make a decision until Thursday afternoon. Okay. So Thursday mm-hmm. afternoon is their kind of drop dead date when or time when they can say we need to move this thing up because right now it looks like if they moved it to an after regular afternoon game it might be rain possibly some rain but nothing you know serious that they could get it in yeah. in the earlier afternoon. They may be able to get in at, at seven o'clock, just fine. Yep. You know, it just depends on where this thing is and how far out and how fast it is. And most and likely, big. Boise gets here Friday. They get here well, sometime on Friday, you, right? I, uh, you know, the team itself. Yeah. I, I guess so I don't that's know why how he's that probably saying Thursday before they tra- before break the they travel. travel. I know that Boise fans Makes are sense. already in Florida. I was on a flight from Salt Lake City Dang. to Orlando on Sunday, and I saw Boise State fans all over the place in this plane. Getting to Orlando, it makes sense. They're going to Disney for a yeah, couple yeah. days. It's good and then they're to Boise, I guess. Yeah. Well, how hot? <laughs> well, that was Austin Lane, everybody. No, well, just, yeah. How hot must they be, know. though? <laughs> how hot are they? What's they're, Boise they, bringing to the Let table, me tell you huh? what, they, what they are. They're not just hot. They're sweating for the first time. Having been out west just recently where there's no humidity, it's yeah. you, know, you could be 85 and sunny and not sweat at all. And now they're they're, yeah. they're they're what is this wetness on my body? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Which also gives you a little insight on this football game Saturday night. It's hot and humid. Uh, yep. Big advantage for Florida. Oh, State. Absolutely. huge advantage. So I, would, I would think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so okay. So we're keeping an eye on the storm. So anything Thursday news? we'll know. Uh, uh, why is anything all, all kinds of stuff based on the storm. How we're preparing. Yeah. Um, interesting uh, research being done out of St. Johns County. How fast or how slow really it takes people to evacuate for storms. Hmm. It's mm-hmm. incredibly a lengthy process from start to finish, you know, and so it's a good reminder to not let it take that long, frankly. So we've got some stuff on that. We talked about it yesterday. There's been a couple of storms and we'll let you run. But uh, I feel like and I get I know people get political. I don't really get political in this comment. I don't I don't even know who everybody involved was at these different ones. But I feel like the last few these last couple of storms, the big ones, especially the state of Florida and here in Jacksonville has done a nice job with them. Yeah. Is, I mean, has I that been the overall thought? 
That's a good question. I don't know that anybody's, I mean... Well, usually the people get criticized well, well, in these events because they didn't get people out quick enough well, or they alarmed too much or they this or that. Well, I'll tell you, I tell you, there's always going to be criticism. Absolutely. If you're, if you're one of the last neighborhoods to get power back on or to have your... Fair enough. There's going to be people who are going to be those criticizing. those at times. And they have. Yes. And for good reason they're upset because it's been, you know, a week or more, yeah. sometimes weeks without power or, or, or drinking water, whatever the case may be. I guess I was thinking so, more preparedness. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good question. You're catching me off guard with that one. I don't. Yeah. I, I can't think of any major um, problems offhand. Well, I and I certainly can't think of any. I mean, you, here's the deal: you don't really ever see anybody get praised for that either. That's true. You know, you, you see mostly just criticism. I thought whether it's yeah, whether it's really is deserved or not, you get criticized, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um. But 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 the reality is that um the the la- I mean for, the real reality is we haven't had a big storm for for so many years and then we had two big ones in um in in Matthew and Irma back to back 16 yeah. and 17 so we are well versed now well we they are should have and a pretty we're good also plan. a little bit more um heightened a- a- awareness you know for a while mm-hmm. you get complacent and and I think you know we saw a little bit of that with Matthew maybe in Irma there's more quick quicker you know like oh well we better yeah, listen yeah. to these guys for a change and and so you know will that hold for this year or not and you know so there's there's a lot of that i think yeah. and and i think um uh you know jacksonville and and the state you know especially after matthew may, you know made it a higher priority as as they should have um you know with irma but yeah so yeah, interesting uh, there were also tough. different storms you know there's a lot of different impact too right you know Ma- matthew hit more, uh, you know, the the, the St. John's the, and Jacksonville Beach, the the beaches area, whereas Irma really hit so was the central inland, part of the state. Right? Well, it also hit the 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 the, the, the St. John's River and and in in the areas there. Oh, that so, was the down. That, was that mm, the Riverside flood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so, and even th- was, was the last one was the Keys. Is that the Keys got in Irma? The Keys got demolished well or yeah it, what, uh, yes irma irma kind of zigzagged it's all around zigzagged. And, okay, and, yeah. and eventually kind of came up a little closer to us than they were originally we're expecting acting weather guys right now is what we're doing <laughs> we're really we're i mean i'm sure if mike was listening he'd be just mortified you know, and mortified <laughs> to hear this He's conversation like, didn't you watch my coverage yeah exactly <laughs> didn't you read tracking exactly. the tropics i know that's right but that is a great plug because tracking the tropics <laughs> is updated every day and if you're not reading it right now you should be especially now you know, because we've got the, it, the things change every, se- you know, five, five o'clock, eleven o'clock, five o'clock, eleven o'clock, yeah. and then if needed, they'll start updating in between. So um, that's why, you know, five o'clock. Mike's gonna have the latest track. He's gonna be able to give his expertise on that track. And um, so, you, you know, five o'clock on CBS 47, Fox 30 will be a good time to tune in because you have the very latest information, and it'll happen again at eleven o'clock tonight. Do that in twenty-eight minutes and rev up the storm tracker, people. CBS oh, 47 you know will have you covered all week long. Thanks for hanging, man. Yeah, thanks have for a good night. Me. See you guys. Hey, when we come back, I want to ask about the quarterback position relative to other positions from a mental health standpoint. Gronk talks about CBD oil, mm-hmm. and that's right, right? CBD oil. Yeah. Well. Or just CBD. Yes, CBD. And could it mean a comeback for him at some point? He didn't rule it out. Tell you what, I have some in my backpack right now. Maybe I'll call Dan Caldwell and say, give me a tryout. Oh. Well, it's just CBD. It's it's not illegal. I know. Okay. I'm just saying, does that mean we could really, you think the last hour and a half of the show would be better? 
That's not how CBD oil oh. works, but we keep, hey, let's go ahead and get into it after this segment. Because <laughs> apparently yeah, I have to give a TED Talk now about CBD oil because Brent has no idea what I'm talking about. I know. It's, so nice it's not drugs. Like, are, you, are you serious? Are you kidding, Goose? I'm joking. I feel like I'm living in the Twilight Zone world, whatever. Let's go to break. <laughs> I'm so thankful to the NFL for the opportunity to play in one of the greatest organizations in all of sports. But during that time, I had countless injuries and nine surgeries, which took an absolute beating on my body and my soul. I was hurt both mentally and physically. I'm here today to appeal to the sports governing bodies of the world to update their position on CBD, whether that's the NBA, MLB, or NFL. It's just time. That's Rob Gronkowski, retired Rob Gronkowski, obviously now supporting a CBD push. And uh, let's be honest, getting paid to do it, too, but uses it. And how much of a topic is this, do you think, in locker rooms around leagues? Uh, It's hard to go down the street right now and not see a sign. It doesn't matter if it's like a clothing store, almost like a coffee shop or whatever. It says, sell CBD oil here. It's everywhere. It's everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? And so you can do it. You can do that. Uh, what is what is Gronk saying about it? Like, what does he want from the leagues in terms of upping their what? So he and listen, I, I didn't hear the whole thing. Uh, that, that's the first time I've, I've heard that. But and I think this is what kind of Eben was promoting, what Eugene was promoting. Uh, Eugene and Eugene Monroe, Monroe was promoting this for the last five years. Yeah, and now and Eben uh, Britton's hanging around Gronk Mike Tyson. Well. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with, with Gronk as well. And listen, I understand there's a stigma, there's a taboo to CBD oil. Like I just mentioned it, and Brent's ears kind of perked up a little bit. Like he's gonna call the cops on me. Um, you <laughs> no, know, for I some reason, I'm kidding. But no. So with, with the CBD oil, Brent, basically, I think what's being pushed here is for the NFL. Um, to kind of take it on because right now it's opiates, right? I yeah. think that Gronk and other players that are kind of speaking out against the opiate crisis right now is that they want an alternative. The, the, they want the team doctors, they want the strength staff, they, they they want the physical trainers to push an alternative to just taking these opiates. And that's where the CBD oil comes in. So it's universal. Well, so what's the problem with it? Why don't they? Because why the, does the NFL? Yeah. What does the NFL care about more than anything, would you say? You, uh, dollars. Correct. That's what you're getting at. Correct. The NFL cares about money. And right now, I think the NFL, um, and, okay, uh, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. The NFL pushes, I think, pain pills and opiates more than they do CBD oil because there's a lot more money to make off pain pills and, and, you know, and the opiates. And it's ironic and, I think it's kind of messed up where the NFL says that the players come first, you know, and their health and well-being come first. But here we are with the NFL. They they want to push an 18-game schedule. They don't acknowledge CBD oil as a, you know, as a pain reliever, as a pain alternative to opiates. And they keep on wanting to say that they have the best, you know, interest in the players in mind. They have the best 
interest of the players in mind if they can make money off it. And right now, I think the fact with CBD oil, it's so fresh, it's so new. Um, there's so many companies where it's hard to wrangle that in to try to put it underneath one umbrella for the NFL and make money off it. And that's why you don't see the NFL right now. Uh, do you think? Uh, I mean, I, the one here's my here's my. Uh, 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 criticism of the comments, okay? Sure. Especially Gronk's obviously selling something here, yeah. Right? He takes it, he believes it. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm not dis- saying he doesn't believe in it, but he's getting paid to say something on this front, at least this time. But there are guys that haven't got paid to do it. I think Monroe and Britton mm-hmm. and, and guys that have talked about it. So that's that's fine. I, I think what they've got to be a little bit careful of the Gronks of the world, too, is says, hey, I feel great mentally, physically. I'm in a great space because I'm taking CBD oil and this and that. And it might even lead to a comeback at some time. Like it's this magic pixie dust. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think is there is there a little bit of a line that you got to be careful of crossing because nothing's a magic. You don't want to sell. You know yeah, what I mean? You don't want to sell fake goods. What you're, like, you know, you you don't want to sell that snake oil kind of what you're getting. At. I, I feel like it. At least that's again. This is a guy this that really is, has very limited knowledge about sure. it. I don't. Yeah. I, I honestly don't have a ton of knowledge, yeah. so I don't really fall on a side or or of either or. You know. Yeah. Um, but. I just want to be careful that I'm not consuming what Gronk's selling no. as this as this magic whatever, well, and yeah. then okay, it's really not. It's just he's selling something to me. So you, you have to be careful how you approach this to say is it this magic thing or not? Because once again, a lot of the studies I think that are conducted are bought by pharmaceutical companies True. who, who want to sway it in their favor. Oh, yeah, there, so we've we've had spin involved everywhere anyway. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. The, there have been studies done, and this is by the. I think it was Harvard Medical Research Team. Um, in terms of, and this happened with children having seizures. And this is where CBD oil kind of got its big break. Was um, it, They didn't have a, an alternative to treat children with seizures. And seizures, if you've ever seen a person have a seizure, man, it's, uh, it's, it's a rough thing, not especially good. a child. Yeah. I, I cannot imagine. Knock on wood, thankfully, I never had to go through that. I cannot imagine that. But... Um, Companies started to make CBD oil for the seizures, and they they realized once they started putting it on the bottom of children's feet, um, that you know that were very you know this prone to seizures, they stopped having them. And I mean th- th- this is common knowledge. I mean even there's some MMA fighters that were going through it uh, with their kids that did it, and they swear by it now. So and they're not, they're not getting paid by the companies to say that. Yeah, they're yeah. Just, they just like believe it in it. They believe in it. So. There's that, but I just think from and listen, I, I take CBD oil all the time, and I. I take the non-psychoactive stuff because I'm not trying to fail a drug test. I mean, there's different types out there. But I think from an inflammation standpoint, I think from a recovery standpoint, um, there's there's nothing better out there right now. Because, number one, you're taking something that's all natural. And I think what we talked about, Brent, NFL players these days, I think they, they're more concerned about what goes in their bodies. They are more concerned about, you know, pills and things that they put in them. And they're also concerned about how they feel they're very more in tuned than what we've seen in the nfl players the past 10 years right so i think with all those things considered you have to take a good hard look at cbd oil as being the alternative to pushing the opiates because listen I've, I've been on both sides brent and i've shared this story before man when, when i had my labrum surgery take these pills take these pills take these pills well, guess what? When I ran out of pills, you know what I wanted? I wanted more pills because I liked the way I felt when I was on those pills. Now, you can call it addiction. You can just call and say maybe I wasn't ready to come back with my shoulder. Whatever you want to call it, I knew that once I ran out, I wish I had more pills. You know, So that was kind of a hard habit to break to realize, you know what? I can't rely on these pills anymore. Um, I have to kind of go back to the, the, the way that things were instead of you know 
basically staying in a fog every single day. And that's what it was, you know, and I think that's the thing that people don't realize is when you're taking those opiates, man, um, set aside from the fact that it's just horrible for your liver and all that stuff, um, it just kind of leaves you in this daze. And when you play a physical game of football, when you're trying to find an outlet, when you're trying to find something to take your mind off things, well, if those pills are so accessible, if everyone's trying to push them down your throat, why wouldn't you take those pills as you try to get through the day? Yeah. Do you think if uh, CBD oil was prevalent right then and you could have taken it, you would have taken it, and oh, you wouldn't have needed the pills, I'm without saying. Without a doubt. But say Hands we down. No, wouldn't have needed I mean, them there's all. A, there's no. a, that was a lot of pain. And yeah. my point is, like, even an Andrew Luck right now. Yeah. Right? And uh, and Gronk, I mean, Grok looked like a walking, wounded, like, uh, uh, superhuman kind of guy, like a guy out of a movie. Yeah. But he looked like he had just been at the end of the movie where he'd been like, well, yeah, shot he's got at his arm and, brace. And, and, I mean, and it's like, like Mr. Bionic you know, Man. He could yeah. hardly, yeah, Bionic, that's a good, yeah, yeah. He, he couldn't move anymore. I mean, he just yeah. couldn't. He, he looked so beat up and he's only 29 years old. Yeah. And now you look at him today and you're like, oh man, this guy looks like he's in a good place mentally. He looks good physically. He looks sure. uh, it's, uh, do you think Gronk comes back at some point? <sighs> man. You know, it, when he retired, I said, absolutely not. But like, and that's the one thing, Brent. He walked away because he felt like crap, basically. He like, he just couldn't get out of bed anymore. Well, if you get out of bed now, everything's easy. If you go to the gym and all of a sudden you're putting around a lot of weight and you're feeling good, I mean, who's saying that he can't come back? Yeah. You know? And listen, and I'm not trying to make it like a big slogan here, like a big sales pitch, but if he comes back and plays the way that he did, well, isn't that like the biggest sales pitch for CBD oil that we've ever seen? Because we've never seen a guy take opiates. You know, we're not going to see Andrew Luck walk away, take a bunch of pain pills and say, you know what? I'm starting to feel a lot better now. I'm starting to feel good. I want to come back. It's not the way pain pills work. But if Gronk does with CBD oil, there you go. Yeah. Interesting. There's one last one. Yeah. CBA comes up. Will they loosen this? Will they will they make it more well, available? Yeah, I mean, CBD, uh, do you well, think? yeah, absolutely. Well, they need to, but once again, it depends on the money of the NFL. But also, I think medical marijuana in general. So, like, the difference between CBD oil and medical marijuana is that obviously marijuana it has the THC, and that's what if you took a drug test you would fail for. You know, that's the whole, quote unquote getting high kind of feeling. With, with CBD oil, um, there's a lot of oils out there that, that aren't psychoactive, so you can't get high off it. It's just basically a pain reliever. So I think what the, what the CBA is going to be pushing for, actually, from the Players Union, is actually to, I guess, make marijuana okay in general, and not just a CBD oil. Um, which uh, I think, you know, that's a conversation we could have another time. But I'm, uh, me personally, I'm all for um, with marijuana being legal because you got to think about it. If a player was to take too much of it, yeah, then they're probably not going to perform well in the field. But at the same time, a player can drink too much alcohol before a game, and you know, and then be you know, drunk on the field, and that I could perform well uh, at all. At least with one, is it's going to be a natural plant, and it's going to help, you know, maybe calm their nerves, help their anxiety a little bit. The other, with alcohol, it's going to get you jacked up and, once again, absolutely crush your liver and everything. So uh, we'll have to stay tuned to see what, what the whole talk about the CBA is with that. Yeah, and I'm interested in seeing that. What will the players win in the CBA when it has to do with whether it's CBD or medical marijuana or whatever. And I think there's going to be a win for the players. Now, I don't know what well, they're going to lose. But you think along the way, well, that's there's exactly going to be the a point, win. Brent. What are they going to lose? Because that's how the NFL works. Okay, we're going to lose money. They're not going to get to 51% or whatever they want. Well, maybe that or maybe adding the games in. You know, like the NFL is going to look at, okay, yeah. so, so you guys want to have the you know medical marijuana or you want to have CBD oil? 
very cool. What are you going to do for us? And that's going to go back and forth. So maybe it's going to be the 18-game season. Maybe cancel two preseason games. Maybe you take away some of that lump sum. But I doubt that's going to be the case, Brent, because the last thing, like I think the most important thing going into this new CBA agreement is the money. That's that's hands down the biggest thing. I don't know how far away medical marijuana and, and CBD is, though, on yeah. that list. I, it might uh, not be too far down. I, I don't think it is. I mean, Especially if the NFL preaches players' health, you know, taking care of their players, it has to be one of the yeah, top. I mean, money's I'm, always going to be the I'm top. On both one, sides, but. yeah. I'm, 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 I'm talking about from the players' perspective, but also from the owners' perspective as well. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, more on this topic. It's not going away, but interesting stuff out of Gronk today um, with that, and it's always a, a fascinating topic. We don't we talk about it quite a bit. Austin knows a lot about it, uh, and I think he's got good perspective on it, especially playing the game and MMA fighter, yeah. uh, physical games. So uh, his body's been. Beaten up. Well, and that's a great point too. The UFC, they actually they, they push CBD oil now for their fighters because you know I mean obviously I think the drug testing in MMA and the UFC especially is a lot more stringent. But they actually they push CBD oil for their fighters. What we don't know is if Austin Lane can fight on skates. <laughs> oh, I definitely can. Come, Come on, on, man. Friend, you've seen me skate before. Come on. I don't know. You know what I'm capable of. I don't know of. if our next guest remembers you skating. Dejan <laughs> Mingo from the Jacksonville Iceman joins us. Uh, thanks for hanging on the line, man. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Austin now skated with you guys one morning. I don't know if you remember that or not, but he was pretty good. Former Jags player, NFL player. He's currently an MMA fighter. And now we, we think he might be able to be one of your enforcers on skates during the season. <laughs> I don't know about that. You have to learn how to skate first, man. Oh, I can skate, he man. Can don't skate. get it twisted. I, I'll, we'll send you the video, man. He's a pretty good skater. No, backwards and everything, too? Yeah. Oh, so so truth be told, hockey was actually my sport growing up. I'm from Wisconsin originally. So hockey was my sport. Unfortunately, I am from a small town, so I had to stop playing, and I played football instead, so it kind of worked from there. But, no, I'm a, I'm a huge hockey fan, and I, I can still skate a little bit. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I mean, I saw a little bit. I wasn't really paying attention. You didn't have that, that much skills, you know, but um, I saw you skating. <laughs> okay, well, listen, we got to – uh, we edited a lot of video to make him maybe look better <laughs> than he was, but uh, it, he might be able to do it again. I mean, listen, you don't need the enforcer guy to, to really skate a lot. You see, you're going to go knock somebody's head off, right? You need some balance. You have balance in the ice there, and I don't, I don't know. They might knock you out. <laughs> uh, Dejan Mingo with us, defenseman for the Jacksonville Iceman. Hey, you just uh, uh, signed to come back, uh, all-star defenseman for the Iceman, third season here in Jacksonville. This has been a lot of fun, uh, starting this new organization, and, and the, the crowds have been great. You go to the playoffs last year. How much fun have you had here in Jacksonville skating in the ECHL? So far, it's been really well. Um, it, the game has changed the uh, three years it's been there. Um, no one knew about it the first two years, and then I guess this year they have a bunch of people coming in. So hopefully we still have the same fan base as we did last year because that was, that was really good fan base. But I love it here. Love it. Love the beach. <laughs> <laughs> From for an off-season approach, I mean – how, how do you approach it? Do you just take time off the ice? I mean, do you stay on the ice year-round? Um, do you kind of, you know, let your body re- recover a little bit, or are you kind of training year-round now? Once um, we got kicked out of, well, yeah, kicked out of playoffs, I'll say, uh, I took three months off from the ice, but I took one month off from just letting my body recover, and then I started working out right away after that. How beat up do you guys get? It's a long season, a lot of travel. Obviously, it's a physical game. How beat up? Uh, well, during season, you get beat up here and there, but when playoffs hit, 
um, that's when you really get beat up in playoffs because we're 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 grinding, we're working harder, and the other teams are working hard, and all they do is want to hit, hit, get you injured, and hit all game. <laughs> so playoffs is more of a grind than than regular season. You're 29 years old. Dejan Mingo with us from the Jacksonville Iceman just signed back for his third season in Jacksonville. Uh, how do you view uh, right now in your career where you're at, uh, what your goals are and where to go and, and how you get there? Uh, what's your mindset? My mindset for me, I'm a slow peaker. So this age right now, I'm starting to develop. I'm getting better. So the, usually when you're mid-age, you're, you're already peaked. But right now, I'm a slow peaker. I've been like that all my life. Um, so right now, it's my job for me is to just get better every game and try to get uh, a couple more call-ups this year coming up. That'd be cool. Uh, Dejan Mingo with us from the Jacksonville Iceman. I uh, had a lot of fun with the Iceman uh, this season going to the playoffs. The crowds have been really good. I want you to take us around some of your uh, other stops. Give us like something memorable that that because we have no idea about it. I'll go back to college, Bowling Green State University from 2012 to 2016. Uh, what was it like going to Bowling Green? Uh, I love Bowling Green. My first two years, I was a forward and. Um, my freshman year, I actually got rookie of the year. So as a forward, cool. So that was that was yeah, that was fun. And then my junior and senior year, I switched to defense. So I wasn't a defenseman all my life. I, I had to I had to get myself to where I'm at now. I had to learn new things, and it wasn't easy, obviously. But um, I got there, and I think that for Harpo from the first year, Jacksonville was here. Um, Harpo helped me out a lot, and I thank him for that. Why, why did you switch to defense? Was that your best way to the pros? No. Um, actually, my coach, <laughs> well, I'll be honest, my coach just thought our D were really bad and going green <laughs> at the time. So he's, I, I played defense on um, power plays, so he was just like, you want to just try it out? And I was like, sure, why not? And then other once he asked me that, he put me back there, and I've been back there ever since I left. Very good. Uh, your next stop was Toledo Walleye. Give us something from Toledo and being a walleye. <laughs> that was actually that's a really good experience for me because Bowling Green is 20 minutes away from Toledo. So all the fans that went to our games also went to Toledo Walleye games. And that would just get my foot into pro. Uh, I played maybe 27 games. I started in January because I left Bowling Green early. And um, other than that, I had a good time there. I didn't play playoffs with him. They just released me um, before playoffs because he just wanted to give me an opportunity to get my foot in pro level that year. You're from Kenton, Michigan. Dejan Mingo with us from the Jacksonville Iceman. And I know Michigan pretty well, but I don't really know where Canton is. So what was it like playing in Kalamazoo? I don't know if that was closer to home or how close to home that was. Kalamazoo is like, Two two and a half hours. Bowling Green was closer. Okay. So Kalamazoo, yeah, Kalamazoo was two and a half hours away. But um, I enjoyed Kalamazoo too. That was my first full time pro year with Kalamazoo. Um, I was actually defense to start out in Kalamazoo. Um, I I was actually the, like the top five or something for D was points in the first month, and then he switched me to forward. And um, other than that. I played for the rest of that year, and then I did pretty well, and then pretty well, not as well as I wanted. And then 
that was with Kalamazoo, obviously. All right, so that's your uh, – oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you're good. Keep going. So that's your trip around from Canton, Michigan to Bowling Green to Toledo to Kalamazoo. And, well, this is the farthest you've ever been away from home, man. What do you tell everybody back home about Jacksonville? <laughs> about Jacksonville? It's cold back in Michigan now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what... I, I just Yeah, I just left um, Jacksonville like three weeks ago. I was there the whole time. Um, I just came here. I wake up to 70 degrees, and I love it. Um, the breeze is nice. Waking up in Jacksonville, I'm sweating right right away when I walk outside. <laughs> Good stuff. But I enjoy I enjoy Jacksonville. I mean, the weather you can't beat. You have, I mean, it does have a little, I would say, a spring. Um, very really a very very small window of spring. <laughs> exactly, not really winter. So, but I do love Jacksonville. The the beach, everything over there. My first year playing, which was fun, very fun. Never thought I would be in Florida. Good stuff. Dejan Mingle with us. As we wrap up, uh, real quick, you guys take a lot of bus rides. You spend a lot of time together. Uh, what do you do? You have fun? I mean, is it dominoes? Is it some games? You just mess around with your <laughs> phone? I mean, well, give, it, give us some. What's it like if I took a bus ride with you guys? Uh, if you took a bus ride, you hear a lot of cussing for sure. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but we usually we play. I didn't play. Um, some of the guys play cards in the back. Um, we watch a lot of movies. Uh, we stop a lot because we get hungry, so obviously. But we stop. Um, other than that, it's just movies, phones. Everyone's texting somebody on the bus. Everyone has their headphones on. So usually mind our own business until someone wants to play a game or watch a movie. Good stuff, man. Hey, well, enjoy the rest of your offseason. It's ending fast. You guys open up October 12th uh, against the Greenville Swamp Rabbits for the 2019 and 2020 season. It's on the way. Dejan Mingo, uh, welcome back to Jacksonville for a third straight year. We look forward to watching you play, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show, too, man. You bet. Uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Dejan Mingo uh, joining us here on ESPN 690. He's questioning your skills. Well, I think he's a little threatened because I might take his job, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm way too busy. Like, that was a legit threat to oh, your he, skills. He was threatened, yeah. He was threatening my skills a little bit, man. Hey, Alex. Hey, hey Jason. Dejan. Christy. Hey, I Bob take Arambo. your job, man. Show I'm him the left video. Wing. I'm, a, I'm a left wing. I'm not playing defense. I'm scoring <laughs> goals. Enough said. Sign the enforcer. Hey, and by the way, I have balance on the ice. Don't worry about that. I have balance to fight on the ice. Listen, I'm just saying, I believe in you. I think I more than Dejan believes you. I mean, we, we got to get some more hype going on here. Because of Kuz's crappy video that he shot where it's all pixely. I thought you added that really nice. Was, you impressed me that Continuity day. edits. Continuity edits. Back Continuity in like edits. Journalism 101. You they learned were, that at Murray no, State? No, never did, man. Probably Sorry. not. Too busy focus on the ethics of journalism. <laughs> Something you all didn't go to school for. It's Everyone's trying to drag my name through the mud today. Some more NFL coming up next on ESPN 690. background now transitioned into sports and you can hear him in the mornings uh golick and wingo right here on espn 690 and he also talked about starting a new college football show on the uh, social media channels with maria taylor and david pollock former georgia bulldog actually a couple of georgia bulldogs right there right isn't maria taylor a bulldog i think so pretty sure so uh some dogs on a saturday 
afternoon. Brent Martino, Austin Lane, and Coos. And now we welcome in Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber as well. All right. We got some football. It's happening. A little NFL uh, and college this week before the real deal starts. I mean, this is kind of the uh, trap week, we should call it. Because, because everything's so, all bundled together. Once we get into real football, it gets spread out a little bit. A little bit, yeah. And really, if you think about it, the season starts in nine days, right? Isn't Chicago and Green Bay leading off its uh, Thursday night? Yeah. So, I mean, the NFL really starts. Fantasy draft, we are going to do our own fantasy deal right here. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to get, what do you say, a 10-person league? 10-person league? You guys league? have to describe, I haven't played in a while, so you're going to have to walk me through this like yep. I'm a two-year-old. Okay. You, you want to make sure you get your kicker first. <laughs> yep. Then <laughs> you take Andrew defense. Luck. Do you take Andrew Luck like you did? <laughs> do what I Good did and advice. get Andrew yep. Luck. Uh, so anyway, if we have a 10-person league, yes, sir. Is it ever, it's just people inside, right? Correct. We're not sharing with the masses. No. I it thought was too we, hard to coordinate. Well, I thought we were, and then now we're not, so I had to re- do that. Not a big deal, though. No. I, I have it under control. The trash talk will be shared with this the is masses, gonna be a, It's going to be a half-point PPR league, but you know what that means. I heard Coos through the glass. I, I heard Coos through the glass just getting excited. Changes it up a little bit? Well, I have no well, idea what, what that really means. So PPR stands for point per reception. I understand that. So half is going to be you get a half a point for, per reception. Instead of Instead a, of a point. point. Why yes, would sir. you want to do that? Why not? Why don't you just make it simple and make it a point? Uh, it's it's so simple. It's just the, it, it kind of it rewards the running backs that don't have a lot of catches. There you go. That's the difference? Basically. I guess. I don't know. Whereas a normal league would be, yeah, that way. It's a happy yeah. medium between what would be because considered the a normal league and standard. the PPR. They're, they're standard sure. scoring, there's PPR scoring. Yeah, I yeah. got that. Sta- so isn't standard scoring is just like touchdowns? Or yes. the, yeah, just it's, touchdowns. It's, all the it's same yards, stuff, but, but you, no reception yeah. points. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mind that. Okay. Because it's something like a little attitude when I said well, half point What I point didn't PPR. understand is why didn't you go, who cares if it's a half a point or a point? That's what I'm saying. Oh, I got you. Well, it affects how you draft is all. Because okay. there's less of an emphasis on uh, receivers and running backs who can catch the ball. It keeps what, things kind of fair. What is the universal best way to play fantasy football? The ideal way to play? Between stand, oh yeah, what do you mean? Like Tr- standard drunk. PPR? I'm going to ask. <laughs> drunk. I'm going to ask right now. I think it's half point PPR. My, and I'm going to say, I've ever done. What, would you ra- what would you play? A twelve per is it a twelve oh, person? Is it a ten okay. person league? Is it PPR? Is it touchdown only? Is it well, a keeper league? Is it there's all these different things in, oh, in fantasy? Tons. Yeah. Is it FanDuel or DraftKings? Is it? I think they're all good. I don't think they're. I mean, but is there a more dominant one? Is my question. Uh, like if, yeah, if we're going to sign PPR up, PPR or none? Well, well, you see rankings for both. Like, but like the DraftKings, that's that's a whole different thing though, Brent, because you know that's, that's daily, daily fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. Well, I get it. Yeah, that's yeah. totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, we which we toyed with the idea of that we did. Yep. But oh, we're not doing that. Maybe next No, year. we're not. I still have to get all the emails out to everybody before our So draft. are you, like, in control of this league? Well, nobody else the, wanted to see it. Yeah, oh I'm the commissioner. Right. I'm oh, concerned. There's, there's, just wait. I have a lot of things up my sleeves, Commissioner too. Austin over do here. Do me a favor. This is going to be like Saw. It's going to be like Saw. I just do it. me a favor <laughs> and take... Let's play a game. Take extra doses of that CBD oil. <laughs> Trust me, Brent, when I'm done that after like week five or six, maybe you'll start needing some CBD oil because I, I have a lot of crazy plans in mind here. All right. Uh, you know what we do every day? I don't know what how this fantasy football stuff works sometimes, but the happy hour horn usually works, and we play that right now.
ladies marching in. There's enough for everyone to win. We're gonna make this party the best thing I've made. This is my favorite place. Nothing will replace. No. Anything goes. Gangsters are rolling. Half face smiling. And so I think of the rhythm while you're drinking. Anything Grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. Definitely do that. Tavita DeLouis recently got a 94 rating, which is uh, pretty awesome stuff. And you got to go check out Vita DeLouis. Locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico. Shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita DeLouis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLouis.com. Drink responsibly. Maybe the winner of our fantasy football league gets Vita DeLouis. I like that. And maybe the loser gets what? What's going to be the big loser? Because you have to do that, right? Punishment. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be a huge punishment. Loser punishment. Yeah. Yeah, you guys come up with that. Something Not a tattoo. Something that's physically taxing. Yeah, what is Koo's going to have to do? you got to eat something crazy. Mm. I haven't lost a bet yet. Oh, yeah, you have. I just haven't come in last. Mm, I think you've lost a couple golf ones. You had one oh, where you Oh, the took... golf one. Yeah, okay, I did lose that. <laughs> those, are, those are the only bets we've ever made on this show. Are Don't golf let bets. facts get in the way of a good story, Coos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have to figure out what that is going to be. We also are going to do a pick segment. That will debut... What, where are we at? Next week. Yeah. I'm not doing... We have college football to pick this week. To me, there's... There's a there's okay a, a couple of them. I'm gonna wait till the NFL. Yep. We'll start our picks on the NFL. We haven't even picked our playoffs right. for college football yet. We'll do that. We can do that. Okay. Brent did on TV. So if you want to oh, cheat, oh, you already did that. Yeah. Oh. Thanks um, for the invite. You want to work on the TV side? Ah, we're okay. good. And no, you don't want to do I'm it. Just gonna, I'm just going to sit in uh, Oprah Blue's locker and do interviews. But anyway, I think we should have a championship <laughs> belt for the picks winner. Okay. That's what I'm going after. Okay. I, I like that. it. I respect that. Yeah. I want a belt. I like it. All right. Yeah. But if I win, I'm taking, the champions. I'm taking Austin's if I win the combat night belt. Okay. Just gonna grab that. So yeah, I don't know. So that, therefore, you can't do a belt for fantasy football. There's only so many damn belts that can go around. But I feel like the belt is like the best kind of prize, though, right? I mean, like, what else? I mean, I, I mean, it's set aside from a nice bottle of Vita de Louis, obviously, too. But, you know, like, the belt's good because you can wear it. You can let everybody know. I mean, you can walk in with it. You feel good. Like, I think it's better than, than like, a medal or something or, like, a crown. That's true. I mean, trophies are a little overrated. They are. Yeah. But uh, we'll come up with something. Okay. Maybe a t-shirt or something. I don't know. Hat? Yeah. Hat's good. I mean, I, I can't wear hats, but it's whatever. Well, yeah, you can't wear it. <laughs> that's not good. Get you like a visor. Oof. Can you do visors? Sounds like a punishment. What did we put the over-under on Josh Allen from a sack total? Do you remember? Did we? We were saying about what, between no, like five and we, eight sacks or something? What we did was we put the over-under on the whole defensive line. Yeah, there I remember. We go. That's right, we did. And it was 30. 30, 30 was uh, between Allen, Yannick, yep. and Calais. Yep. After watching Josh Allen this preseason. 40. <laughs> <laughs> Let's set that up 40. <laughs> really? no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm kidding. No. Uh, now, but I bet everybody would take over now. Oh, yeah. I mean... I, Calais, the question I took Calais over. is Calais. Yannick yeah. playing with a chip and trying to earn big money. And Josh Allen looks the part. Yep, exactly. So, again, what I don't, I've, I always was told this, that it's a lot harder than you think to get sacks, number one, and as a rookie, number two. And so as excited as you want to get about a guy, and Dante Fowler was kind of this way. Remember, he had the ACL, so this wasn't even his first year. Yeah. But the first year that he played for the Jags, I remember having a similar conversation. People were excited about Dante Fowler. And I think he flashed on the practice field, too, if you remember back then. 
And so you're like, okay, what's he going to get? I mean, can he have eight sacks? Ten sacks? I mean, could he have that kind of year? I mean, and, and, you know, now we're talking about a league where sometimes you see 15, 17, 19 sacks. So ten sacks, not that it's not not good, but it's not like there are guys that are getting more than ten sacks is my point. Yeah. So to put it at eight sacks seems like, okay, well, that's reasonable. And then I remember during that conversation, like, you should be happy if he gets five. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my mind goes now on the Josh Allen front. There's a lot of promise. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of physical skills that look wow. Uh, remember, Dante had physical skills that looked wow. Okay? Mm-hmm. I know it's hard for sometimes the Jag fans to remember that, but that is true. And so while I'm not comparing Josh Allen to Dante Fowler necessarily, I do wonder if we should pump the brakes a little bit on the lofty expectations from a numbers standpoint. So when you're talking about the numbers standpoint, you're talking about your first-round pick being a pass rusher, you have to remember that this Josh Allen situation is a special one because usually what happens when a team takes a pass rusher, especially in the you know the first top ten, um, that team needs pass rushers big time. And when that pass rusher goes to that team – He's counted for as the man. You know, like when, when Bon Miller walked to Denver, when he got drafted, he's going to be the man since day one. When Miles Garrett went to the Browns, he was counted on to be the man day one. I think with Josh Allen here, while it, it would be nice if he can be the man, they don't need him to be the man. They have Yannick Ngakwe. They have Calais Campbell. They have Darius. So he's in a situation now where he's not counted on to be the man. He's in a situation where he can sit back and learn a little bit. And he's in a situation where teams can't game plan for him because there's too many other guys to game plan for. So it's almost like, you know, quote unquote, maybe your best pass rusher, maybe your second best pass rusher. We'll see how it pans out. Isn't even on the radar right now. Cause with what the Jaguars have. And we are talking about that. If you go unnoticed like that, you get sex. Well, yeah, and th- that's the thing. I mean, if if you're talking about a situation where he has Calais or Jan on the other side, that's going to open open things up for him in his opportunities to get after the quarterback. And uh, another thing I, I will say is with all these guys, uh, I it's not going to be a number as much as can we see him affecting the quarterback in my eyes. Like, can we see this defensive line forcing another team to change its game plan maybe uh, where they're getting rid of the ball a lot quicker where they're you know, doing some things to try and counteract that defensive line that the Jaguars will tout as a strength, uh, that might get lost in the numbers yeah, because of the, the overall success of that defensive yeah, line. Yeah, QB hits moving him off a spot, and, and, in, and in what you're talking about, Stewart, I think is what's fascinating about him. He could have less sacks because they might use him even in the coverage game. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, he's doing different things that allow you to be great up front and your defense to be great because of his skill set that doesn't necessarily mean production. So how I, many interceptions does he get? Yeah. Oh, oh uh, he could be a guy that maybe gets one or two, yeah, though. Sure. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that's... You don't really think about that. You never throw that next to a defense, but he actually He's could be, be a hard guy. To throw the ball over. <laughs> could He's get up there. One. Um, uh, although I'd be a little surprised still if he gets one. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see where his numbers go. By the way, his number last night was 51. 51 miles per hour. He threw out the first pitch at the Jacksonville oh. Jumbo Shrimp game. He got it there, man. No 50 cent. No lady that hit the camera. Uh, no Jepson. Yeah. I mean, no, no locker room fodder. Yeah. He did it. I mean, he's done everything well since he got here. Yeah. Josh Allen has been fantastic. Uh, we caught up with him uh, yesterday at the Jumbo Shrimp game about the first pitch and also about his star power already in Jacksonville. You can almost feel it. Were you nervous out there or what? Never, never. You know, once you play at the professional level, you can't be nervous no more for anything else, except for when you have a baby. 
<laughs> Outside of that, I was I was mentally prepared for it. I don't know, man. If you fail on this, the guys in the locker room don't let you live that down. I know. That's why I had to bring my A game today. I, I you know, I sorted up a little bit. I don't want to give all my energy out. You know, I got a big game coming up and all. You know, but I have fun. Hey, you're signing autographs and everything. Can you tell because of your play in this month that people are excited about you? Have you have you felt that in Jacksonville? Oh yeah, man. I've you know. They just want to see a playmaker, man, and, you know, we already got a, a great group. They just want to see another player be great, and, uh, you know, I'm here to make plays, do what I can for my team, and hopefully win a lot of games. I tell you, man, I like the maturity of this kid. That's what I, I, I see that. Yeah. Uh, I think he's ready to go, and I think he gets it, and there's been a lot of little things that I think we've told you over the few weeks, whether he's eating right, doing the right things with what teammates are saying and getting coached up and what, what the trainers are saying, what the coaches are saying. And I know that sounds like yeah, everybody does it. No, I don't think so. I don't think everybody does it, especially when you're young. Not even close. No. Being a rookie, yeah. no. You don't. It's the, it's the exact opposite way. <laughs> and I think when we look back, if he has a really strong year, I think you will see that he bought into being a pro, if you will, really quick, and maybe a bigger adaptation to the NFL, or quicker adaptation to the NFL, than a lot of guys experience, I think it might really pay off his rookie season. Uh, by the way, he was thrown to a Kentucky guy the at that first he got pitch. That, uh, the reason he got that strike, he had a good guy behind the plate, Riley Mahan, fellow Kentucky Wildcat. They actually went to school at the same time, so uh, kind of cool to see them uh, catching up. Uh, it's fun to talk about uh, Josh Allen. It's really a fun topic going into the season. Can't wait to watch it in a couple weeks, especially against Kansas City of all teams. When we come back, our Baker Sports Coach of the Week in high school football. What a moment it was. We'll give that out. We've got some balling and falling as well, and that includes Nick Saban. Maybe Nick Saban's finest moment on a podium. It's next on ESPN 690. The irony in uh, Golik mentioning that now is that we just got, like, struck by thunder and lightning it seems like around here yeah. so there's a chance something did get knocked off yeah it's really starting <laughs> it's pretty to move dark outside right now this isn't the tropical storm right? it's this not is dorian. Just, uh, okay it's not dorian this is florida storms okay <sighs> pretty standard of the day baby you it's afraid day in florida oh, i'm not afraid man if you're scared go to church right i'm good <laughs> I'm, I'm on this good right now but by the way i actually said that <laughs> i said that exact phrase in a cage one time after my fight because i was trying to call my next opponent and uh, I told him that if you're scared, go to church. And then, then I told him if you need a ride, I'll give you an Uber, and then I'll beat you or something and in the cage. <laughs> hey, you weren't lying. Five-star service. Uber and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a very truthful man. <laughs> Brent Martin of Austin Lane, Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber. Who's here on a Tuesday, 525 or so. A couple segments to go here on a Tuesday as this week moves closer and closer, not only to preseason game number four, but also Florida State. And uh, Boise State, there. Boise and State, then yeah. twelve days away before the Jags and Chiefs yep. play. I want to talk a little high school football right now because what we're going to do on Tuesdays is give away a Baker Sports Coach of the Week award from the previous Friday in high school sports, and we really had some cool opportunities to give one away for week number one. Of course, we're doing our Game of the Week. Uh, we appreciate Baker Sports for their uh, support in our Game of the Week on ESPN 690. They've also always been so supportive of uh, a lot of things that we've done on Action Sports Jacks and also, uh, of course, in, in throughout the high schools, not only football but all sports. But this was pretty cool, man. Wilson has not been very good. Over the years, you were at that game. Yes. So go ahead, Weber. Give our first award away. Our Baker Sports Coach of the Week is... Well, pretty clearly it's Wolfson's head coach. Uh, We just said Wolfson. Uh, Dennis Bettinger, who uh, is in his second year there at Wolfson and... 
uh, hoping to provide some stability and lay some groundwork because in the previous, I don't know, four or five years, you're talking about four or five head coaches. The the constant churn, guy comes in for a year, goes one and nine, leaves. You know, that, that constant thing. But uh, Coach Bettinger is hoping to, to change things around a little bit and to change it for the better. And this game at Stanton was really a, a good kind of indication of some of the progress this team has made. A year ago, these two teams played, and Stanton beat them 40 to nothing with a running clock at the end. This time around... Uh, they come from behind, mind you. It was 19 to eight at one point, and they go on to win 36 to 19. So, uh, quick math on that one. They scored the final 28 points and were able to beat Stanton, get a big victory, go to one and zero. Which I have no idea how long it's been since they've been one and zero. Yeah. Uh, much less get a one win for a whole season. Uh, so really cool. And and the thing that really struck me when I got to Stanton, Stanton's crowd was packed, which is awesome because uh, that's another team that uh, both of these teams chal- are challenged. And it's funny how we, we look at it this way. They're challenged because it's very hard to get in there academically. Yeah. You know, and it, Wolfson's it, become an IB school, yeah. right? So Wolfson's an IB school. Stanton College Prep is obviously an IB school as well. So you're talking the best of the best when it comes to ath- uh, academics in order to move on to college. And so that tends to lead to difficulties in athletics. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of the, the nature of it. I mean, it's not only yes, it's a little bit stereotypical, baby, but it's also factual. It is. It is. I mean, yeah. So I guess it's not stereotypical. It's fact. Correct. So at least on the football field, it's been fact. But that it was very some Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, some Vanderbilt, Georgia Tech, Harvard. Stanford, Harvard, <laughs> you know, all those kind of schools. Uh, so it, it was really cool though to come in and see the atmosphere that they had built there. So props to the Blue Devils of Stanton because. Uh, their crowd was packed. Their student section does a nice job. Student section does a nice job. But then the visiting section was packed as well, which was awesome to see because uh, all the Wolfson folks were there, uh, the family, the friends, everyone was there to support the team. And when they won the game, they were going nuts. And it, it was just really cool to, to see that excitement and to see that support for these young men that have been putting in all that hard work over the last month. You can feel the excitement and now hear the excitement. Action Sports Jack Stewart Weber caught up with Coach right after the game. Check it out. It was a dogfight. My hats off, go off to that that fine team over there. You know, we're both the same thing, both IB, and we we go through the struggles of school and everything like that, and the fight like that. They beat us last year, 40 to nothing. So we wanted to give them a game, and you know, these guys fought hard, and I couldn't be more proud of them and the Wolfson way of getting things back together because we've been the doormat for a long time, and it's about time. It feels good. We want to know. I tell you that right now. I told the team all day long. I don't care what it's going to take, fourth and 80, I got to get the win. And we're going to go for it because we ain't got nothing to lose. When, when you're desperate and your back's against the wall, we're going to fight. And that's what we did. And we, we gambled. <laughs> and and he, he mentioned fourth and 80 because in that fourth quarter, as they were trying to run out the clock, they had a fourth and 20 from midfield. And the, it was a little screen pass. Uh, you know, the pass travels like two yards in the air. The dude fought the next 18 and a half yards to go 20 and a half when they needed 20 and to just get across the, the marker and get that first down to continue to run out the clock. And it, it was just, it was a very indicative play of what that second half of the game really was. And yeah, coach, coach was excited. Coach was pumped up. And yeah, it was just, it was fun. It was good. Dennis Bettinger, uh, the first Baker Sports Coach of the Week coming off a big win for Wolfston. They are now 1-0. They'll play Paxson this Friday night at 6 o'clock at Wolfson. So congratulations uh, to them. Our game of the week this week, Stuart Weber and Kevin Sullivan will be on the call. It is Friday night. 
and Fernandina Beach. Yuli against Fernandina Beach. That's a 7 o'clock start, so check that out. It uh, will be a lot of fun. And if you missed any of the video on Wilson last week or any of the video and audio from really the entire Blitz, you can check it out on Facebook and YouTube. It's all up there on Full our social media there. channels. Yep. And what we did is actually broke down the calls of the game from Friday night's Columbia Trinity game, took about a two-minute chunk of highlights, and put that out on social media too. So you can find it just about anywhere uh, if you're interested in seeing some of the high school football action. And we've got another full slate coming up uh, this week. All right, balling and falling. And Nick Saban. Fallen, by the way, might be the sky. It really is. This giant cloud is quite ominous as it's moving past the studio. I mean, it, it looks like it's 10 o'clock at night out. Yeah. It's uh, it's super aggressive. Oh yeah, that be thing careful is, driving. That moving by. Yeah, if you're listening in a car, be careful. Absolutely. All right, ball on the phone. We come back. Includes Nick Saban. Right, let's get after it. 25 minutes to go here on a Tuesday, and a lot to get to still, including falling and falling, or falling and falling. There you go. Got to put the apostrophe at the end. Yep. The I mean, it really is, is dark here. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be like some kind of like tornado warning or something, right? Or not? Nah, I don't no? think so. I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's that's never, a bad you would, you okay. would hear it. There I've would never, be an exper- alarm going I've off never over seen there. it get this dark in the afternoon. Yeah, it's pretty pretty trippy. Uh, wild. Okay, balling and falling time. <laughs> the rain is falling. I'm gonna, yeah, it is. Uh, I'm going to begin. And I'm not usually the most complimentary guy to Nick Saban. I don't think a lot of people are, Brent. Well, but do I mean, I think so. I think a lot of people are. I think we hear the really? noise that yeah. aren't. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's, it's kind of like the Belichick, Brady, the Patriots. It's like Duke basketball. People respect it's, him, but he's not necessarily the most. Yeah. And again, it kind of goes back yeah. to Belichick, but it also goes back to being king of the mountain. You want to rip down the guy that's king of the mountain. I mean, and yeah. that's the way he's been. And and he doesn't do it in a... See, I don't think anybody will ever be like that to Dabble Swinney because he's kind of a fun-loving, smiles all the time, seems engaging guy, sure. even though, hey, and I'm, I know he's not this, at least that's what... We've heard he's not this, but he could be the biggest jerk in the world. Yeah. But the way he comes across, see, Saban, I think, probably is a lot nicer than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's not. But, I mean, I think it, there's more personality in there. Mm-hmm. There's more nice guy in there than he comes across. But we always see him as the not-so-great guy. And uh, so, that, you know, we build these these perceptions of people the way they are based in front of TV cameras and microphones, and you never know what the reality is. But bottom line is, he sometimes delivers fantastic messages. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of clips over the years of him from a minute and a half of his news conference uh, uh, delivering a message that you probably want to show your kids. You know, this is a guy that's a master recruiter, a master game planner, a heck of a coach, and is one of the best all-time in college football. He's a good guy to listen to. Let's just put it at that. Yeah. And I don't always agree with him because I think sometimes his stuff is self-motivated to stay on top of the mountain. And that's part of where you're at, right? It's I part mean, of college football, man. It's, it's, it's business. Do what you got to right? do. It's yeah. business. It's like, what's going to help me stay at the top? Well, I think a lot of times the views of Saban and Alabama, well, help them stay at the top, but not necessarily always great for the college football mm-hmm. in general and for the masses. Well, this one was pretty uh, interesting. Listen to what he had to say about when guys get punished. And everybody makes a big deal about it, especially if you don't just kick them to the curb. 
There, there's always a lot of criticism out there. When somebody does something wrong, everybody wants to know how you're going to punish the guy. All right? But there's not enough for 19 and 20-year-old kids, people out there saying, why don't you give them another chance? All right? So I'm going to give a speech right now about this. Where do you want them to be? Guy makes a mistake. Where, where, where do you want them to be? You want them to be in the street or do you want them to be here graduating? You know, when I was over there at the Nagurski, Musin Muhammad, who played 15 years for the Carolina Panthers, played for me at Michigan State. Everybody in the school, every newspaper guy, everybody was killing a guy because he got in trouble and said there's no way he should be on our team. I didn't kick him off the team. I suspended him. I made him do stuff. He graduated from Michigan State. He played 15 years in the league. Right, he's a president of a company now, and he has seven children, and his oldest daughter goes to Princeton. So who was right? I feel strong about this now, really strong, all right, about all the criticism out there of every guy that's 19 years old that makes a mistake, and you all kill him. And then some people won't stand up for him. So my question to you is, where do you want him to be? You want to condemn him to a life sentence, or do you want the guy to have his children going to Princeton? You guys are getting me fired up. You better be careful on this one, buddy. You, <laughs> might, you might want to just pass that thing on down the road. <laughs> Good way to end it yeah. for uh, Saban. I love the passion, first of all. Yep. Whether you agree or not, I love the passion that Saban has for that topic and for the kids. And I, I thought it was well done, well said. And I don't know if I disagree with him. The only thing I would think from a critical standpoint is, okay, that's a great example that he showed. Mm-hmm. Fantastic example. Okay, give us a couple that haven't worked when you have given them a second chance and you've entitled them and gave them a third chance and gave them another chance because you're trying to see that ex- and try to get the best out of them. But sooner or later, you know, in a world that we live in right now where entitlement is such a big word that's thrown around with millennials and, and kids and college programs and mm-hmm. athletes, there is a fine line. Um, but I, I really liked what he said, and I think it's a tough line to toe. Uh, for a football coach. You go recruit a young man, you know his family, you're trying to take care of him as much as you can, and then he makes a mistake. Where is the line you draw to say, get the heck out of my program, you're on your own, or, hey, I want to put my arm around you, and I want to make you a better person. Who cares about the football part of it? I want to make you a better person. No, absolutely, and I think it just goes into effect of how bad is the punishment where you can still have that guy's back? You know, the, the, the example he gave, that player, I think, got in trouble with some, like, drugs and alcohol or something like that. So um, on, on the spectrum of, uh, you know, of, of, of bad things, I mean, to me, drugs and alcohol, that doesn't, you know, that's not even close to, like, domestic abuse or like something like that you know and i think and listen i've been a strong advocate of this i think where if you get convicted you know if you get proven guilty of of beating up a female i don't think there's any place for that in college football and in the university because you have to think about it like this and Listen, I agree with what Saban was saying. I think you have to give kids, especially 18 and 19-year-olds, a chance. Listen, I remember being 18 and 19-year-old, Brett, and I didn't make the best decisions when I was that age. You know, I probably made a lot of bad decisions. But at the same time, we can't just put football players on a pedestal and say, well, since they're football players, it's okay. Because say a normal college kid gets, I don't know, pulled over with drugs and alcohol. Well, does he get thrown out of the university or does he get to stay? You know, if, if he's a football player, that's going to help out a lot. And I get it. You know, he's on scholarship and f- football is making the money, and I get that. But I think it's from 18 to 19-year-olds in general, Brent. I think where, you know, if, if a student gets in trouble on campus and it's nothing serious, like I said, like a, you know, like a, like a, you know, beating somebody up, um, maybe it's like a minor thing. Well, then, 
give him another chance. You know, this isn't just a football thing. I think this is a, an 18 to 19 year old kid in general. This is a life thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just don't like it, the fact that, you know, I think football players get extra treatment because they play on the football team. Um, and then they have a scholarship as opposed to just like your basic generic, you know, kid who maybe came from a rough part of the neighborhood just trying to be better for himself and unfortunately couldn't play football. And now he's out of luck because he got in trouble at school. Yeah, that's a fair yeah. point. That's a good point, too. Yeah. And there is uh, there is a different sense, though, then in that situation, I don't know if they have enough pull as a Nick Saban. Exactly. Maybe there's a professor that's looking out for him or yeah. something. Now, and that's not always the case, right? True. Uh, fair enough. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was really good from Saban. I liked his passion. I, I think there are parts of it you could argue. I think it's a situational type of deal overall. But I thought his main point was really well said. And I wish, you know what? I wish coaches would give us more evidence of guys like that that worked like that. For that sure. said, hey, you know what? This guy screwed up, and then look what he did. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, like, that was a cool story. I didn't know that story. I want more of those stories. Yeah. It's okay to share that, too, mm-hmm. and still tell a guy who got three touchdowns and is headed to the NFL. Yeah. You can do both. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I think everyone deserves a second chance pending, you know, the, the right stipulations. But not just football players, I think students in general. What's your balling before ballin'. we end the break? So according to Carly Lloyd's trainer, Carly oh, Lloyd yeah. being part of the, you know, yeah, the women's national team, uh, she has been offered to kick in an NFL preseason game this week. Uh, she was told the team would make a roster for a roster spot for her to play this Thursday. But unfortunately, due to conflict of interest with the U.S. women's national team having a game on Thursday, she won't be able to take part. Uh, the team was not revealed of who was interested in her services, but... Your opinion, Brent, is it a way to sell seats for preseason, or is it actually this is out of good faith and this is actually a genuine offer? Yeah, listen, I think there's elements to this that are marketing-based. Yeah. There's, I don't know about selling tickets, but I do think it's gaining attention. Everybody, NFL's a, a monster, but mm-hmm. they still can use attention. Yeah. It's okay yeah. to have good attention, positive attention, yeah. be a game-changer, a trendsetter. Those are things that are okay. I long have been interested in this, though. Why not? You know, we see it on college campuses, right? There's stories of that, that, hey, a kid, didn't Florida a couple years ago, they were trying out like the, uh, gosh, I forget the story, but they were trying out a kicker that, well, Pinheiro in general didn't even kick in high school. Yeah. And now he's kicking for Chicago, but that's not the, that's not the one I'm uh, thinking about. They were actually so far down, and I forget the story, but there was uh, a kid that they were trying out, and I think he was in dental school. If, I, if the story's right, I think he was coming, he was in dental school. I think that's it. I'm going to have to Google it. But it just came to me, and I think that was uh, it. He wasn't on the team, he wasn't doing anything else. Sure. But anyway, in that position, why not go grab a soccer player? Haven't you always wondered that? Yeah. Why not go grab a guy from the Premier League? You know, yeah. and why not go grab Carly Lloyd if yeah. she can do it? I, I don't know if she can do it. I think mm-hmm. that's a different side of it. Well, and I think the biggest difference from her, if you watch her kick that field goal, I think she's with the with the Eagles when she kicked that. Yeah. It's like a fifty five yarder. Yeah. Um, you know, she's a lot farther back. She than was running star, star, I mean, so no you, equipment. Yeah, so you obviously have to get like your steps down and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm listen, I'm all for this too. Why not? You know, at least. To take a risk and see what happens. Maybe she goes out there and kicks a 60-yard field goal. Maybe she's got a job in the NFL. You just never know. If nothing else, it would make for a good movie. Oh, yeah. If she's successful at it. It's going to be a Disney you movie know what for I mean? sure. It's a Disney movie. Like yeah. a, a woman plays football. We're talking about women in football now in the sure. NFL, right? Yep. Assistant jobs, uh, on staffs, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Well, what about? And I mean, kicker makes them sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be fascinating to see. I yeah. would welcome it to see it. Absolutely. But you got, obviously, you got to be in uniform. Uh, you got to go kind of 
shorten up. You got to do this. You got to work on it. And I think that's probably bigger than anything is Carly Lloyd saying, okay, if we're going to do this sometime, maybe it comes next year. Mm-hmm. Let me be prepared for this. Let me yeah. not be just like a circus act, just exactly. a, a marketing stint. Let yeah. me be seriously prepared for this and nail this thing. Give myself a chance to do it. So I actually like the fact that she turned this offer down. Mm-hmm. But I, I think another one's coming. And I wouldn't be surprised to see her get a crack. Now, whether it's a workout or something like that, I don't know if it'll be in a game. Yeah. But I wouldn't be shocked to see it happen yeah. uh, sometime down the road. We put a bow on the show. It's on ESPN 690. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.